Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? It's Friday, July 17th. Ooh, my voice just dipped. That was like <laughs> July 17th. And you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 328. I'm your host, Austin Walker, joined today by Patrick Klepek. Well, we were telling high school stories before we started yeah, recording, right, so right. just a little bit of... <laughs> my voice had the crack once here. <laughs> also joining me, Ricardo Contreras. Hi, how's it going? How's it going? Give me that. You gotta give me more energy than that, Kato. Hey, what's up? Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I'm YouTube. sorry, my <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in. Yeah, fair. You know what? what? Fair. Fair. I've learned, by the way, that caffeine is a big part of if I'm good at Valorant or not. Oh, um, shit. I started oh. being like, I, oh, man, I need to have a cup of coffee before I play Valorant. And if I do, I'm like, I had a couple games where I was like 30 and 10 God recently, damn. which is very good. Hell yeah. And then, but then like the next day with nothing changed, except I didn't drink coffee in that same time slot. I went like 7 and 18. And it's like, well... I guess I just need the caffeine. I just need <laughs> I just need that bean juice in my blood. Mm, uh, otherwise, I'm screwed. So, how are y'all doing today? How's your well, weekend? Cool, you yeah. doing all right? Huh? So, I, mm, that's just said. As long as it isn't Goya. Bean, oh no, bean juice. Not Goya bean juice. No. <laughs> Ew. I wouldn't. <laughs> Ew on many levels. Increasingly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. God. Weeks all right. Everybody, everybody have good weeks. Everyone having all right energy. Everyone, I'm good. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Pa- Patrick's like, no, let's get to the fucking you show. Can't notes. Stop. Look, <laughs> energy, look. My this morning, my daughter, uh, my oldest, didn't. Um, she she's decided. She decided recently. She didn't uh, want to wear diapers at night anymore. Mm-hmm. We were nervous about. Uh, not that she isn't old enough to to. She's been fully potty trained for like a year and a half, but. Nighttime's know. a tough one. Nighttime, Nighttime is a tough, tough one. Mm-hmm. And you get um, out of bed, you got to go to the bathroom. Well, that's the thing. And, and really, selfishly, my wife and I like, we're already getting up a lot of nights with one kid. And you really right. want to do that twice and deal with piss? Right. <laughs> Not particularly. Yeah. Uh, it's like, what if we just punt that a little bit down the road there, Jessica? And she demanded it. And wow. first night had an Big issue. And, this, and then this morning, she. <laughs> I'm getting dangerously close that I'm no longer going to share stories about her because she's getting yeah. old enough that I think it's weird. But maybe, maybe the, I'll conclude with this one. Um, and then I will. Uh, she'll be cut off from, from stories on the public and the podcast. But she woke up and I was like, uh, good morning. She goes, did not go did not go pee-pee. And I was like, okay, um, well, let's go verify because sometimes, you know, yeah. you think yep. that and then, you know, stuff happens. And she goes, <laughs> she has to take off her underwear, hand it to me and go, smell it. No pee-pee. Nope. And I go... <laughs> what am I supposed to do in this situation? If I'm if I show disrespect, right, and that I don't inspect this underwear, she's she's not trying to be gross. She's just trying to show that she's proud of herself. And so I did what I had to do. Good dad. Smell that underwear, and it was dry. And she got a cookie at nice. seven in the morning. 
I'm listen. She's taking initiative. She's like, I want to be. I'm ready to be an adult. I'm out here. <laughs> yeah, the world is moving fast these days. I gotta grow up. Uh, yeah, she knows. She's like, oh, I'm not not peeing in the bed. Ready to get a job. Ready, ready to, get to wear a mask. Um, gotta get. <laughs> she, yeah. wears, she wears her mask. She's great about See? it. Actually, we got it. We got her a pink one. And literal like, hey, babies all- better than some people in this fucking country. Oh, these parents were like, "Hi, hey, gotta send your kids to school. I don't know. Maybe model it for them and just act like it's yeah. like a thing you have to do." And- mm-hmm. They'll be fine. And then also our youngest, she uh, has slept through the night multiple nights. So, like, I've slept real nights a couple times this week, which is nice, which is great. So yeah. I, that's that's me. Hell I got yeah. I got the energy. You're I'm right in that me. zone where you can do that, right? Because your youngest is still young enough and mm-hmm. your oldest is getting older. But soon your youngest is going to be back in that zone where she's waking up and asking to be going to the bathroom. And exactly. Yeah. Stuff, so we're in, right? a, we're in a sweet spot. Yeah. Love it. Uh, when you're not being the best dad you can be, Patrick, what have you been getting up to this week? <laughs> In the DMs world of video Rob games. like, hey, you heard about Microsoft Flight Simulator oh Code? Got Yo, that honestly, <laughs> I need to know that too. That Did game you see how many good. DVDs that thing's coming on? No, how what? many DVDs? Ten. What? Jesus Christ. Games are too big. Shut it all down. Well, they, there's no Blu-ray. People don't have Blu-ray drives on their oh, PCs, so right. they're sort of stuck. Um, you know, that's just right. not so a... If we want to make a disc, right. Yeah, and my guess is Microsoft Flight Simulator, maybe that's like an international... Like, I wonder what... I would actually be genuinely curious, like what drives doing a physical release of that game because that seems so ridiculous. But there, yeah, must, be there must be like a demographic right? where they yeah. think there's a certain crowd that is not going to go to the Xbox games, you know, their Microsoft Store <laughs> yeah. or Steam. But like your dad or actually like grandpa would be like, "Hey, I'd love to fly a plane I, with these listen. sweet maps because the maps tech in that game looks the maps tech looks incredible." Great. As someone, my my uh, grandpa on my on my mom's side was a big plane guy. And I absolutely played flight sims with him. I, I absolutely played terrible PS2 flight games with him. It's like I was just thinking about this the other day. There was Were there some, realistic flight sims on PS2? Not like good ones. No. Oh. Uh, and, and also, no. The, but the, 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 the game. They're all like Ace some Comedy. Stuff. Well, there was, there was a game for PS2 that was like a, a non-combat. It was almost like a pilot wings. It was almost like a... Like um hmm. uh like you're flying around doing getting getting treasure and like exploring the world. I it's called Heroes like, of the Pacific. Sky. Arrow Elite Combat no, Academy. Sky something. PS2 Sky Sky Odyssey. Sky Odyssey. Sky Odyssey. Yes, Sky, Sky Odyssey was a Sky Odyssey. Early great. Activision yes. early Activision game for the PS2, uh like launch era. Um, yes, had uh, big pilot wings vibes. Um, totally. That game was great. It was an early sort of like I've got nothing to play on this. I got nothing to play on this thing. Go I'm, gonna, I'm gonna fly through canyons. I'm gonna land in ancient yes. ruins. I'm gonna try to do some cool loops. Like I love that game. The, I the Amazon, my the Amazon, nice. uh, the review. If you look up Sky Odyssey on Amazon, as as one does, uh, and uh, there's only one in stock, order soon arrives okay. July 27th through the 30th. Uh-huh. You can get it right now for 7.39 with 3.98 shipping from Gamers Paradise, the yeah. place to buy video games. But the reason I bring it up is because at the wow. bottom, um, a lot of these, you know, a lot of the, you know, will aggregate reviews from outside sources, <laughs> um, and so there's just a 2000. Uh, uh, GameSpot review by Ryan Davis of Giant Bomb just attached to the bottom of this. Uh, see how it starts? <laughs> you see, like, the first four lines? We're in good company, Patrick. Yeah, much like Nintendo's <laughs> several pilot wings, Scott Esty blends aspects of flight simulation with the easy to pick up but difficult to master gameplay. Love it. Shout outs to, shout outs to Ryan Davis. Sky Odyssey is not 8. a game 3. for everyone. 8.3. Slow paced missions and flight simulation influences will turn away those looking for pure arcade action. That's not what Austin wanted. Austin no. did not want pure arcade I action. I wanted to just hang out with my grandpa, fly around. You know, talk about planes and treasure like you do. (laughs) (laughs) 
Anyway, that's that's now that we're going back in time to my shit. I, you know. Anyway, yeah, grandpas are looking forward to Microsoft Flight Simulator and <laughs> Rob. Grandpas are like Rob's acne, looking forward to Microsoft Flight Simulator. Is that why Rob is so good? Because he has big grandpa energy. He absolutely does. You know like, what I mean? Well, world like, weary, but but still loving. Yes. Um. Like there's like a fine line between like big uncle and big grandpa energy. Yeah. Probably. Like yeah. I can see Rob. He's he he runs a fine line there. He does. He does. It's true. I love I love Rob Zachney. Shout out to Rob Zachney. Um, anyway, you've not been playing Microsoft Flight Simulator. We don't know. I don't know when code's coming in for that. What you have no, I'll, been playing, I'll check on that probably soon. I think that game's out in August. August, so. yeah. Rob, Rob, the reason Rob's asking is because he's nearing the end. He took this week off. Yeah. And so I've heard he's been playing some racing games. Yeah. He's been just vibing. Yeah. And he's probably thinking, boy, I'd love to I love just have a glass of scotch. It's a Microsoft Flight Simulator and just <laughs> Who chill. That sounds great. I get it. Uh, um, no, I've been playing uh, uh, equal parts. Well, more uh, Paper Mario, uh, The Origami King, and uh, Deadly Premonition 2, which I played more of last week, and then this week has been more of more Paper, Paper Mario. Mario. Let's start with Paper Mario because I'm curious about this. Did you see that quote today uh, about about Paper Mario, about how Nintendo doesn't make new Mario characters anymore? Did you I've, see this? Seen or in paper, maybe in Paper Mario is specifically. Oh, and they're just reusing the same cast over uh, and yeah, over Tanabe, again? Yeah, Tanabe, apparently there was a quote from Tanabe that said, uh, let me see, since Paper Mario Sticker Star, like as in ever since Paper Mario Sticker Star, it's no longer possible to modify Mario characters or to create original characters that touch on the Mario universe. That means if we aren't using Mario characters for bosses, we need to create original characters with designs that don't involve the Mario universe at all, like we've done with Ollie and stationary bosses. Whether a character becomes an all-time hit or not isn't up to us on the development side. I think it's more the case that characters that truly, uh, that fans truly accept end up that way. I hope the original siblings in Paper Mario the Origami King will stay in players' memories even if they do only end up appearing in this title. It's like you're never adding to the Mario canon in this game or no. it sounds like huh. modifying like, oh, we're not going to do like a cool take on Bowser or or something like that. They have to be like the characters. That's that's interesting. I, I'm, I, yeah, I'd be, I, I wonder is, uh, how much video, that is like written out. Or right. how much is that is like Miyamoto comes in and like lays down here's the the Bible on totally. It must I'm be so written out somewhere. Yes, that's just a fascinating idea that they even have those sorts of because um, you know, they have the main characters like you know like Peach, Mario, Luigi mm-hmm. like they're in this game. I just huh. Uh, this is this is uh, from a, an interview called Paper Mario's development team lays it all out over at Video Game Video Games Chronicle. Uh, um, anyway, yeah. So I have not played a Paper Mario game before, despite owning. Several really? of them, including uh, the one that everyone loves, Thousand Year Door. In fact, actually, um, one of the things I was trying to do when I was like leaning a little bit back into video games during my my three month uh, leave was, oh, maybe like I should take time to like try and play a video game that I normally wouldn't. And right. so when I wasn't sure if I was going to get code for Last of Us Part Two um, early, I was like, well, maybe I'm like, I'm excited to play the new Paper Mario because I never played one before. Maybe I should try and spend some time or even beat like the one that everyone says is like the, like people talk about a thousand year door as like an all time Nintendo. Great. Like one of Nintendo's best games, like a amazing RPG with like really funny, uh, a world and characters. And it just somehow like I have the, I have the GameCube disc on, on a shelf somewhere. Like I, I, I own it, but I just never played it. Um, and I like went through all the effort to like find a way to play that. You cannot buy it on switch i don't it's kind of strange that they haven't found a way to port some of that stuff leading up to this new paper mario but um they haven't and so you have to kind of go out of your way and then i got a 
code for Last of Us, so mm-hmm. I didn't. But I got it running, and then was like, okay, this I'm gonna move on. But um, so this is my first Paper Mario, which I uh is weird because my understanding of the Paper Mario fandom is that they've become increasingly agitated with Nintendo's approach to the Paper Mario series, in which Paper Mario started as a Nintendo sort of like take on the RPG, sort of like, you know, which Nintendo doesn't make a lot of RPGs, but they make a handful. And the handful they've made are like when they've decided to do it, like the either the, you know, Mario RPG on the SNES or the the early Paper Mario games uh, have been pretty good and, and, and liked. But then like post Thousand Year Door, like the Paper Mario series has kind of been their space to sort of like redefine what an RPG is um, mm-hmm. and like start stripping away sort of a lot of the conventions that people associate with it to the degree that I... I'm writing a, a piece on Paper Mario that I, I need to finish after this podcast, and like I would argue, it's not even an RPG. It's like a puzzle game with like adventure elements. Like it's really more that than it is um, like whatever we consider an RPG or when we take those genre conventions. Like, there's no leveling, there's no oh. experience points, and yet there's lots of combat, and you are fighting enemies on an open mm. field and then switching to combat. So it it has a lot of trappings of of an RPG, but it removes a lot of what we'd normally consider like the progression, a lot of the progression mechanics of an right. RPG. Um, and so, you know, you're running around as, as you know, as Mario with your little crew, and then you get into uh, combat, but at the end, all combat rewards you with is more coins. And the coins are like a currency that's used in all sorts of different ways. Um, and it's worth setting up like why I consider it a, a puzzle game, which is that your main sort of thing that you're doing in the Origami King is so when you when you get into combat, when you see like a little bouncing Goomba or, or some other enemy on uh, sort of in the field stage where you're exploring, um, when you interact with them, you can kind of like bop them on the head to either get some early damage or if you're if you've kind of like upgraded your health, your like overall strength, quote unquote, goes up, which means sometimes you can sort of like take out weaker enemies without having to fully switch to combat. But when you switch to combat, the, I don't know if you've seen like the the combat in this in this game, but it is like imagine a dartboard. Um, and so like a a dartboard is, you know, it's a circle and then it's got like individual little pieces, um, throughout there where you're like, you know, trying to, to hit the different numbers. And so Mario is in the center at like the bullseye uh, section and then surrounding him are enemies in different spots on this circle. And you have the ability to then rotate the circle. So the circle is divided into like five or six, like, uh, interlocking circle. So you have like one big circle and then like a smaller circle, a smaller circle, yeah, a smaller yeah. circle. And you can rotate those around to move the enemies. Individually, like one, one so, ring yeah, at a time? Yeah, one circle, one circle. You, oh. So you can you can both uh, move the individual inner circles or you can uh, switch it to an alternate mode where you're, um, like it turns vertical. And so it's like you can, uh, it's kind of hard to describe it without like seeing it, but like uh, you, you basically can like move... Um, parts of the circle that are uh, like uh, parallel or perpendicular to Mario and like move that. So like you could te- like, let's you say there is a an enemy towards you or, slide or away from them, you. Yeah. Push them away yeah. From you. You and can, can you also rotate them or can you only push, push and pull both? So you have, you have, okay. you have a set number of moves. It's like, a, and so like, like a Rubik's cube style thing. It's not a cube, yeah. obviously, but that idea yes. of like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this one this way. I'm going to turn this one this way. I'm going to line Correct. things up basically. Right. Right. And so you have and so, you know, when you initiate a move, like if you're like going to say turn a circle, you can move it as many times as you want. And then you want you but once you commit to the move, that counts as like one action. Gotcha. And so whether you're rotating a circle or you're sort of like moving the location of an enemy um, forward or backwards um, that that you can do that as much as you want. And then once you commit you, that's part of the action, you usually right. get two or three 
um, actions, like the more actions you get are sort of uh, determined by how many enemies are on screen at once. And the goal is to line them up or bunch them together. Ooh. So if you kind of cluster them into uh, four in a row, because I think that's how many how many uh, rows it goes back, so like four yeah. circles. So if you get like four Goombas in a row, or if you get um, uh, f- uh, four Goombas lined up next to each other like two and two. So like the hammer can uh, hit like a four by four or a t- you know, two by two space. Gotcha. And then the uh, when you're jumping, you can go like all the way backwards as far as like um, what's in front of you. Um, you get an upgraded... Uh, power, so it's like instead of uh, like hitting at one x, you're going to hit at one point five x, and so mm-hmm. the whole uh, the game's encouraging you to try and line up as many of them in the most ideal version possible, and you get bonuses if you do that immediately. Um, so let's say you line everyone up and you you have it in the what the game considers to be like the perfect formation, then you have like a ultra power, which means you can probably clear the board in one turn. Um, you can sort of just like get in, get out, and combat's over pretty quickly um it's like a really fascinating combat system that also like deeply exposes my own psychological weaknesses to Ugh. a degree that i like, was like profoundly uncomfortable like i've mentioned on this podcast before that uh like you know give me a pile of legos i don't do anything with them i need instructions i liked algebra in high school and don't had trouble with geometry right. like shapes in general just don't make a lot of fucking sense to me <laughs> like i just like like just generally like they just don't compute in my brain particularly well and so this game which is like meant to be easy and sort of accessible like constantly i find myself just like sweating what is obviously <laughs> like a really simple fight because i can't i just can't in my head like do multiple like when I'm trying to think three moves ahead of like how I'm trying to shape this board. Right. I can't. I just can't do it. And it's you know the game. The game is not particularly punishing. You're not going to die. Right. You're, you're. It's very easy to get health. Like it's. It is really meant to be. Hey, engage with the board. Um. And and enjoy yourself. But also, like I found it to be like de- deeply <laughs> stressful and like revealing of my own like brain toxins which right. is like my brain just doesn't work this way and this game is explicitly built uh on top of that this it, it has such an interesting like I, I had no idea this would be what the combat style was like here yeah. i very much assumed it would be like the uh mario all-star mario not all-stars mario um uh rpg what's the what's why am i blanking on mario and luigi yeah well, super mario, mario rpg, RPG. Was the that's SNES one yeah, yeah. uh legend you got of, it yeah the, uh, whatever the obvious name is legend is of the, the seven one. stars is what i was yeah, yeah, trying yeah. to think up <laughs> obviously um of just like okay maybe there'd be some interactive you know element or your t- a timing based thing so or, there is a little bit of that so okay. like once you line up the hammer you can do like a stronger attack with the jumps hit a as you go down but mm. generally speaking that is not all that it's like pretty lower priority that's more just to give you something to do right um right it's maybe a little more important in the in the boss battles the boss battles are more intricate in which um uh, and these are actually probably my favorite part of of the game is where so in the boss battles you're still rotating these circles but there are now suddenly um it's got like a more of a board game Ooh. atmosphere um uh so almost like a Mario Party uh little little vibe yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. which so so Mario you are not no longer as Mario on the in, in the center of the circle and the center of the circle is the boss and mm. on the outside is Mario and he always starts in a fixed point and you have different um objects on the circle that can manipulate what Mario does so for example there are arrows uh-huh. so you need to have so like if there's an arrow to the right Mario will start running to the right and he'll keep running to the right until you've set up 
uh, an arrow pointing down or an arrow pointing left or whatever the case may be. And so there are all these different actions that Mario can take, and you need to then manipulate the circle to, like, set up the chain reaction of things that you want. And there'll be things on that circle like uh, right. like uh, extra power or to uh, get an extra turn and or use one of the superpowers that he has access to. Um, and these really broke my brain because they really require you to think two or three steps ahead. Yeah. And then the game gives you different ways of mitigating that. So if you... I mean, you start this game where immediately you're getting thousands and thousands of coins to the to the point where, like, this is, like, a it's very strange broken currency. But the way it works is that so, like, on a boss battle, for example, um, you probably start with, like, 60 seconds before the game is just going to commit you to the actions you've set up mm-hmm. regardless of how you feel about them. But if you hold down, uh, like, the plus sign, you can spend your money to buy more time. And you can get as much as you can spend get as much time back as money you have oh. and it doesn't cost that much. So you can like really quickly give yourself another minute. Um, there's another uh, mechanic where uh, you um, can call in other toads. Like a huge part of the game is finding these hidden toads like tucked throughout the, the world. Like That's, you like, do. Really collectible. <laughs> like, uh-huh. like one does. They're like, you hiding, find a, they're like hiding. You from find whatever. a toad hidden in a fax machine and uh, you pull them out and he gives you a one liner. I and love these a toads, fax machine in my world, in my uh, Mario world. I love Mario. Fa- the, one of the fast travel mechanics in this game is because you are flat, you can go into the fax machine tech that they have okay. and fax yourself to different, which is not that's, how faxes work because isn't that, isn't that just the Star Trek teleportation quandary, which is like, are you there or is it Another version of yourself there, and thus, did you ever exist? Did you ever? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, <laughs> and so you can call on these little toads, and the toads will throw like little objects that might like do minor damage to an enemy. They might throw you some health. They might throw you a power up, um, or like an upgraded um, boot or hammer um, that you can use to like do uh, 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 higher attack value. But on boss battles specifically, um, they will put in like a dot that shows, hey, this is Mario's mm. path forward. Mm-hmm. And so we're Normally, you just need to sort of like work it out in your head. Where is he going to go? How is this going to end up? If you spend a little money, the game will give you these dots that like just show this is exactly what right. you're setting up. And what I found once I then explained, I didn't find that tutorialized. I just discovered it by accident last night, actually. And I was like, great, I'm going to spend the money every time because I don't even consider this to be a cheat or a help. I just don't <laughs> think my brain is capable of like doing this most of the time uh-huh. in a degree that I feel. It just makes the game actually meaningfully fun to me as opposed to just being frustrated or feeling like, great, I'm playing a game that, like, directly attacks a part of my brain that doesn't work in a way I want it to. Mm-hmm. That's not, like, a fun way to spend the time no. that I'm trying to relax. Um, and the dots, like, sort of solve that. It's They don't have those dots in the the normal combat because it, it wouldn't sort of work uh, that way. Um, but you can kind of fuddle your way through them. You can also run away from any fight and... With it's no like literally cost. no consequence. Yeah. Like they just okay. take, they just take, they just throw away the enemy. Like it's like, cool, you left, and also so did the enemy. Bye. Right, which means, um, which means like, oh, you won't get the uh, treasure. You don't or get the money. The money. That's the ex- it. Right? That's it. There's that's no. It. That's it. You said earlier there isn't that same style of progression system anyway, right? So like, it's not like right. you're, you need to grind in that traditional. You way. could literally just like avoid all main mm. combat in this game and only engage in the boss fights, and you would, absent not having money to spend for more time, or like the engage in the hint system, um, it wouldn't make a difference. So you could just remove all of that combat, which is a huge part of it. Yeah, like it's what you spend yeah. like a lot of your time doing, um, and and not be um, any lesser off than a player who is you know mainlining it and just saying, screw all this stuff. I'm just gonna just make just my way to the boss. To, the, yeah. The problem I have found is that even though this game sort of like scratches at a weird itch in my brain um, that frustrates me, it's also the fact that there if you 
I like the general idea of like turning combat into a puzzle and that when you solve it, it's like, cool, you did it. Like you don't need to stick around here. Mm -hmm. You don't need to actually be level 37. Like you solved the puzzle. We're going to give you the bonus and you can just, you know, bop their heads and get out of here. I think that's like an interesting dynamic to set up for the player, but they, the game seems to be acknowledged that it's core combat conceit is kind of overwhelming and challenging and yet um, doesn't introduce enough diversity to what you're doing in that main combat um, <clears throat> to make the amount of time you're spending in it like continually enjoyable. So what right. I'm finding is that even though I'm like eight or nine hours in, I'm at the at end of the second world of you know six, assuming that there isn't um, sort of like a, a special one at the end, which is common in Nintendo games. Um, and it's just like now I find myself of actively getting frustrated when I enter normal combat because yeah great like i've done this exact puzzle right. a thousand times before That's... and even though i like the action that it's presenting they're not giving me enough variety in the the literal puzzle element to make it um particularly fun how are you finding the story stuff like the the I, it's, it's a pretty it's looking fu- game it's, it's but yeah is it funny is it it's very funny, but uh, and like genuinely so. Like you know, I don't often take like screenshots of games as I'm going along, and there are like have been you know a handful of times where I've been saving that and then mm-hmm. waiting for the embargo to pass so I can uh, share them on on Twitter. Now that I've been freed from uh, Twitter jail, I can <laughs> oh my God. once again God. share my bad screen. We yeah, somehow we well, somehow, somehow we open the show with not. We've been silenced. <laughs> <laughs> I'm expelling myself from you Twitter. You found a way. I'm self-expelling myself. I did find a way. I found a way so to communicate. That's what they you found a way, and that's well, sure. Lock me up. Lock well, me then, up. I'll find a way to get my message out. <laughs> that, that, then I had to go find like I don't. Everyone's tweeting these like every word account. I need to find the Twitter account every word with in my ass at the end, and just Great. tweet those instead. Just to thanks. Good. Um, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah. So I, it's the story's whatever. It's like pretty uh, bare bones. Um, you're really there for like the clever writing and one-liners. Right. And that's also the, the issue I have with the other main component, which is the finding of, like, literally there are, like, dozens of these toads that are hidden away. Like, the game is very much like, hey, the two pillars of this game are this combat system that is pretty weird and different and unique um, and it's going to take some time to wrap your head around, and also finding all these toads. But there's not really much of a reward for finding right. them. It's just, like, your reward is... Um, the the reward is usually is is trying to be what Nintendo is usually good at is that I don't like finding collectibles in games that are surely ju- that are purely just checklisting just mm-hmm. hey we found that we've hidden this thing in a weird spot that you really wouldn't be looking and it's not that fun to find and you're probably just looking at a YouTube walkthrough at this point so you can get the trophy um, whereas Nintendo usually when they do collectibles or hidden things like the journey to getting it is the fun part right. it's like you've done something smart or clever to discover it and the and the reward is really not it's just sort of, hey, there's got to be something at the end here. But really, like the getting there, and like the Mar- the three Mario games are are often very very good at this. In which then I want to engage in that the the hidden elements. Um, even though Nintendo doesn't have trophies associated or achievements with their games, like the act of doing it yeah. needs to be fun enough to justify that you're not actually getting much of like a, you know, a reward attached to your account. And in, in Origami King, it's just. Cool. Well, hopefully the line from this toad is funny. Well, that one wasn't very funny. Yeah. Hopefully the next one's funny. And because the actual act of finding them is okay, like a handful of times it's been, oh, that was genuinely clever. I wish more of them were like this. But most of the time, it's just I walk in a room and I bang, I use my hammer to hit everything in the room, and occasionally a toad pops out. Um, so 
And the game is just really slow paced. So it's just like the combat's not moving fast enough and getting interesting enough as it goes along. The story, there's not that much to, to chew on. And the exp- exploration part is sort of this blah. Like, deep? I'm enjoying it, but yeah. I, have, I have trouble recommending it to, like, too much. There, there. Go ahead, Kata. Well, I was just going to ask do you start with, like, the boots and the hammer and or is that stuff that you unlock in some way like is there no progression or are you just handed all the weapons at once you're just or? like there are like purchasing and drops that are like upgraded versions of each so like the boot like the normal boot is pretty weak and can only be used on certain enemies whereas if you get the iron boots then you know uh you can jump on spiky enemies instead of having to use the hammer on spiky enemies mm. so that maybe there's an instance where um it's easier to line them up so the hammer hits them instead of lining them up so they're all in a row um, where your jumps would hit them. And so that might be an instance where you want to use your hammer instead of the boot. So it tries to, like, set up. Like, I constantly, in playing the game, it's like, oh, the part of the reason I'm getting propelled along is, like, I can really imagine 12 hours from now, like, three worlds from now, mm-hmm. there being enough dynamic elements happening in each battle and, like, different options I have in terms of how to want to approach it that maybe it would like make those individual like combat sequences like more enthralling. But it's also, then it's also like, well, okay, great. Now I need to like make, I have to get to that point and the world is beautiful and charming, but I don't know if it's beautiful and charming enough to get me there. I mean, I guess I'll keep playing it, but it's one of those like back burner games. It's like, ah, you know what? I I guess I'll play another two hours of paper Mario as opposed to a game where I feel like I need to sit down and like, yo, I got to play some paper Mario. (laughs) Um, right now um which is fine not all games need to have that like kind of compulsory uh, element i just sort of like want to make clear to folks that are, like i've been interested in the franchise like where this one sits mm-hmm. like it's it's way over on one end and um it's it's kind of doing its own thing and you know yeah. mixed about it but i do like how odd like how weird it is like i'm glad that like it, it is something different than just a regular turn-based system um but i just wish there was more going on with it mechanically how uh how easy is it to skip fights like, or are you accidentally... Extremely. You just hold a button and then a meter fills that says, you're fleeing. You're um, and sometimes it fails, but most of the time, like... Or even, like, not I, even getting a, into the bat, like, can you get around... Yeah, you can way? run away, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you can, so you can, there are two things you can do. You can run away from enemies that spot you, and you don't have to go very far without, um, before they'll just kind of go, all right, cool, I didn't really want to fight anyway. <laughs> um, and they'll just, they'll just uh, go away. And then you also have uh, your hammer, which um, you can strike to do like early pre-combat damage or as you do like the one progression, one of the few modes of progression the game has, which is like when you find um, certain hearts, they increase your total HP Mm. and that also increases your overall strength, quote unquote. And so what that means is the the dynamic the game's trying to set up is like, hey, when you go back to old areas with like new exploration tools, um, you're probably not going to want to fight all those low-level enemies. So if you just bop them, then they'll just disappear yeah. off the field yeah. and you don't have to deal with them at all. Um, the, the problem is, like, I want that dynamic with, like, enemies that are sub- at my level right. as opposed to, <laughs> like, just the ones that are old. And, like, uh-huh. and there's no way I'm going back to older areas to, like, clean up the last six toads uh, that I missed. Like, I'll find them as I go along, but I don't ha- I don't feel a lot of uh, desire to, to go back and, like, sweep through with the, like, one of the items is, like, this... Like so, you'll get multiple accessories. Like one of them, I have sets off like a uh, a ding dong when uh, a toad is near, but it doesn't tell you where. Mm-hmm. And then I got an item that uh, is like a red floating light that twirls on your head, and that like pulses when you're right near one. So it's like, oh right, okay, this mailbox, I should probably <laughs> hit it with my hammer. Um, and so 
that that's setting up that you don't have to deal as much with those enemies uh, when you go back there. But yeah, like I said, I'm I'm not really feeling it as as charming as the game is. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's really relying on that charm to a degree that, like when I've read around the other reviews, it's like, yeah, I know it's charming. Yeah, it's definitely charming. <laughs> but like that, could, the charm can only take you. So, and so maybe that's going to be it for a lot of people. It's like the, however, the far the charm takes you, um, right. maybe that'll take you further than it has for me. Because it's like once the charm. It, Took me as far as it could. The combat wasn't able to sort of like make up the ground that was lost from what I wasn't getting it, out of the the world itself. It's it's strange to hear you kind of describe this as like not having the progression RPG stuff, um, but still having certain like the other like bits of like uh, turn based combat and all that. Because one of the things that I rub up against a lot in when I play RPGs is kind of the grind in general mm-hmm. and wanting to be able to skip out on it. And something about this sounds like maybe. I'd enjoy it if I was able to avoid all those fights in between bosses until there was more yeah. to like do in in regular combat. Right, because, like, like the best part. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say one of my favorite uh, RPGs of all time is Bravely Default that had a really kind of interesting mix mm-hmm. with its yeah. uh, in its combat already, and it had a uh, fast forward. Like in the base game, you could fast forward like <laughs> times ten on fucking grinding like i would whenever i needed to i would spend like like not even 10 minutes in like one area like with the combat fully fast forward on auto attack just to get those levels because at that point i don't care about that i'm really more interested in what the boss battle is gonna be right so the like i'm trying to kind of gauge how much of this i could skip and still enjoy so it so it also (laughs) um so one you could you could skip you could probably just run around a lot of them there are but there are like lots of instances where you're going to try and swing with your hammer and you're going to miss. And it's like, <laughs> ah, fuck. All right, now I'm in this fight. Right, right. Um, but if you spend just a tiny amount of money and you have so much money in this game, yeah. um, the, one of the things that it does is, uh, so in the basic fights, um, if you spend a little bit of money, in addition to the toads like throwing items and uh, and trying to like kind of bop some of the enemies for a few uh, hit points, um, that the, it will also do like three-fourths of the work for lining up the optimal solution and so what'll <laughs> happen is like what's happening is like I get into these basic fights i go spend uh you know 100 coins and i've got like seventeen thousand. and then it <laughs> would make it so that's like i just have to rotate one or two circles in very obvious like yeah. it's like yeah. even for me as, as someone who looks at a circle and goes i don't get how that works <laughs> um i you i would look at it and it would just like oh right i just rotate this and then this and then they're boop they're in the optimal spot for me to move forward so like it does like I mean, I think you're right. Like, that's part of what I think I find fascinating about the series and even, like, the tension that the fandom has with Nintendo's approach to it because it is clear that Nintendo seems to look at a lot of the conventions of the the sort of genre and goes, like, well, that seems not fun <laughs> right. or ideal. We don't need that. Um, yeah. And given that there's plenty of options for people to, like, have it, like, look, I fully recognize that people love, you know, the genre of the podcast game and, like, having right. something where it's just, like, tick, tick, you know, this was Ghost of Tsushima. Like, I mean, like, there are games that fall into that category, mm-hmm. and, I, and I get it, but I think Nintendo sort of says, well, like, but what if we start pulling at those friction points and, like, these conventions, and we're going to put it in a framework that feels familiar, but we're going to, like, start removing some of the the things that you expect and play with them. And I, th- I think that's, I think that's cool. And I think this game is really successful in, in some ways and, and not others. Um, but I think it's like, it is largely successful in that idea of trying to stretch at that definition of like, well, 
does an RPG have just because it has turn based combat, which this does, does it have to include experience points and levels? Like, how can you play with the notion of progression and right. and really giving empowering players over how much they want to um, interact with that? The thing that I'm the thing that I, I've been trying to work out lately as I play a, a couple of different RPGs. Um, I've mentioned before I was playing Divinity Original Sin uh, 2 recently, which is a game where I care way more about the combat than I do about the story still, even though I'm yeah. mm-hmm. 30 hours in or something like that. Of this playthrough, I think I'd done two different eight-hour playthroughs previously. <laughs> um, uh, and that's a game where, like, I wouldn't want to skip any combat because the combat's what's, what's drawing me there, right? The, those yeah. encounters, that design. Um, and then, and then, alternatively, when I when I've tried to play some other uh, table or not table RPGs, other uh, RPGs, including um, uh, last year, I tried to get into the the um, oh my god, the Trails, Trails, tr- Trails, is that oh, right? Trails the, 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 the Namco um, series, the Legend right? of Heroes, yeah, Trails of Cold Steel, where it was like, oh, is, this is the one that like like oh I god. saw like Jason Schreier, Schreier some other folks were like, this, this one is yes, like that this game is like incredible. No one, everyone, I know so many people who I, who I like a lot, who I'm like friends of mine swear by this series uh they they seem like things something i would really like um uh but it was one of those things where it was like i don't really i'm not vibing with the combat and really all i want is the story stuff and at that point and there's a lot of story stuff it's not a podcast game it's very much like sit down and read all the interactions (laughs) listen to your Uh learn to love your favorite characters there are a thousand of these games um and it was one of those things where it was like well if i could just skip all the combat maybe i would be able to get into it um, but th- at that point, uh, there are a billion visual novels or adventure games that just don't have right. that layer. I would rather engage there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that balance is really hard to strike. And, and it, what it sounds like to me, though, I guess my question to you, Patrick, is one of the reasons I was asking if you liked the story was like, well, if, it's, if you could just skip the combat or you don't have to worry about progression or grinding, well, then you can just kind of vibe in the atmosphere, the, the aesthetic, and then you know, take in the story. But it, you're saying that, like, that stuff also doesn't necessarily do it for you. Are the boss battles like cool enough to? The boss drag battles are you great. Through? The boss okay. battles are are fantastic. Yeah. Like it is the kind of thing yeah. where every time you get to one, like you know, I sit up in my seat. I'm like, I turn it. <laughs> I take the switch off. Right. I take the switch off handheld mode. I put it in a docked. Right. And I'm like, all right, here we let's go. go. Like, That's a cool because actually, I want yeah. to. I want to see the full game field. Like right. I suddenly want that circle and all those little uh, uh, dots that I'm like trying to to uh, work through in my head. I don't want it on the and I love the the I, I have a uh, regular switch and a switch light and I I love both those in handheld mode. It's the 99% of the way I interact with the switch. Um but this is one of those instances where like all of a sudden I'm like all right, I'm going to dock this yeah. motherfucker and like I want to see it's like I'm putting up a whiteboard and I'm and I'm like I I wish my TV allowed for a marker. Mm-hmm. Like I could because I would be or if my switch allowed me to like right on the screen to some degree because there are times where like i just want to i get rid of the timer like i just want to sit here and like do 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 and i can i because the hang-up i'm having because for whatever reason my my head just doesn't uh uh, deal with shapes particularly well like the thing that i know that the game wants me to do what other people are doing is like you're you're visualizing the path in your head and the problem is with the what the, the game is asking you to do is visualize that path while also visualizing like the 35 different permutations <laughs> of how you could change this circle. Right. And that's where my brain breaks. And like, that's where I want the dots are really helpful where it's just like, okay, that just removes one, the, the layer that's frustrating me out of it. And I can focus on how do I manipulate the circle to get to where I'm at instead of feeling just like, I, this I is impossible. I'm frustrated. Thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, fr- I'm frustrated. It's not the game's fault. Miserable. Yeah. Right. And I know I know it's me. I just it's like I've struggled with it my whole life to varying degrees. And it's like so to, I'm glad that, that game has it. It's like quite honestly, like an accessibility feature as opposed to like a difficulty thing, um, to some degree. Um 
And but like, yeah, I it's like I just want to get up there and like I wish I could have like a, a group of us who's like, all right, this is what we're gonna fucking do. Like we're going here, <laughs> we're moving this arrow yeah. here. Like I could see us in a, I could see us if we were doing a stream, like doing a save point, yeah. like all yelling at each other over like how we're gonna set up uh, to send Mario <laughs> in for this particular attack. attack. That's yeah. so good, yeah. And yeah. I and, and those moments are so fantastic. They are uh, arguably worth playing the game for. It's just you know you're you're going through. I don't want to say slogging because that's definitely not like I'm in this like uh like amusement park area, Shogun City or something like that, where it's kind of like a it's a sort of like a Six Flags slash game show sort of vibe and exploring this like all you know in the the Mario like Mushroom Kingdom veneer. It's like it's very funny and it's cute and it's adorable. Um. It just like like a lot in this game goes on just like a little bit too long where it's like, oh, like instead of this being 45 minutes, it's 90 minutes. And if it had been 45 minutes, it'd be just about what I want. And like that that same critique applies to the progression of like new mechanics for the combat where like it just takes like two hours too long for a new enemy type to show up. Like Mm. like it's cool when there is a bat that comes in and the bat doesn't respond to the hammer. You have to use it. Um, with a, a jump, but then also if you do a jump first, you can do a hammer next, and like so, there are all these different. You can see how how you approach the circle changes like really quickly, and I just wish more of that stuff was forwarded. And that's also, what's, but it's also what's propelling me forward because I'm like, oh, like I can imagine the back half of this game being fucking awesome. Like once all, once they just kind of get the tutorial like stuff out of the way, it's like okay, if you've stuck around this long. Like we're gonna start making these circles like yeah. pretty wild, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it'll get there because I haven't. And I'm about you know, like eight, nine hours in. Um, it seems like a really long game, like a forty-hour game. Um, I just don't know. I can't speak to where where it goes. Uh, I mean, I guess it's, again, like if you chose to not engage in a lot of the combat and exploration, the game's actually probably pretty short. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. So it's like I'm really torn on it. I re- I really admire a lot of what it's doing. Um, I guess I just wish it got there. A little bit faster, um, but I'm, I'm probably still going to stick with it because I just I, I find myself charmed by uh, what it's doing enough. Um, your your thing there about like the way mechanical uh, new new mechanic stuff, uh, the, the the pace of which it rolls out, the pace at which you're you're with it, uh, reminded me to shout out a game really quick that I'd almost forgotten about, but is worth is worth checking out. It's a game called Lithium City. It's like eight mm. bucks on Steam. It's like an hour long, which is a plus for me. Uh, it is like an isometric <laughs> cyberpunky like action game in the vein of like it's very much in the same broad space as Hotline Miami, uh, super hot. That style of okay, how do I get this through this room? Great. Every Patrick, every level is it has has some new uh. mechanic. Every room has a new variation on that mechanic. You blow oh, through I love it. This. It's an hour long. It's like I, I beat it in an hour. I went back and played a little bit more afterwards just to like revisit some of the earlier levels. Um, all of the fights are really cool. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, there's a, a really interesting post about this developer's um, uh, the last Flash game. I, I well, so what does that mean? So I think it began as a Flash game. This is what I was going to say. Um, uh, if you go to um, God. They're trying to find this this Twitter account. I saw this because uh, Chandana, uh, I never know how to pronounce Eka's last name, and I'm going to butcher it right now, and apologies to Eka. Eka Nayake, um, I believe that that's close, uh, retweeted a, a post from the main developer, the, the creative lead on this, and the journey that this person went through, this guy went through making this game that was like, you know, uh, six years long, basically, um, uh, and, and kind of going over his his ten, it's called my ten year game development journey. 
uh, by uh, Nico Tuasan or, or, or Tua Tuasan T U T U A S O N uh, is his last name. And it's just kind of like I started making games in 2010, and now it's 2020, and uh, you know I've I've made a bunch of flash games. I worked at a big publisher for a little while. I had a kid. Money is bad. And then he released this game, Lithium City, right before the Steam sale, and it got completely buried. And he couldn't like he couldn't do anything about that. And so finally, now after the Steam sale, it's getting a little bit of pickup. Um, and it's it's That's good. a really interesting Austin, story. Just delete that whole just delete that whole segment. And I'm You're gonna, gonna reach out to, reach out to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> do an article. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, like, yo, stop blowing up my spot. This is a good pitch. <laughs> it's a great pitch. It's a great little pitch. Um, and it's a, it's a great little game. Like it's it's you know very clearly a love letter to Ghost in the Shell and and John Wick and a certain style. New of, chapters in development. Yeah, I'm really excited about that because these chapters rip and there's only like six of them or something. So I, I hope it does well enough to support more. Um, again, like it has that Titanfall 2 feeling where it's like, oh shit, this level has a cool thing and the cool thing in this oh, level I is... I love that. You know, or, or, I love frankly, that. sorry, the Mario thing. This is a classic Mario thing, right? It's like, yes. what's going on in this set of levels? Okay. So like one of the things in the trailer is there's a level... And it's not even a whole, it's not, I don't even think it's the entire multiple, like, it's not every stage in this level. There's one stage where a giant, like, gunship is chasing you around the entire level, shooting in through the windows of this high of this high rise that you're going through. And it's like, that's just there for that one level, and it's cool, and it's a cool idea. They, oh. he, he hits it, and he moves on. Uh, and that's every, <laughs> there's one where you're in a little tiny train car, and it's like, people, you have to stop, and more people get on the train car, more enemies get on the train car at each stop. Cool, done. I'm not going to spoil more of them, because they're all, like, very interesting little variations on what is a very simple basic design. Um, again, that's called Lithium City, and and I, I, you know it is in every way kind of the opposite of that. Oh, I wish this thing would just would go would be half as long. It's very much the, like this is this is literally exactly as long as this idea has in it, and then we're gonna move on to the next idea. Um, so so go check. And that that's out. really tough. I I imagine. Um, I can't imagine. You know, I've, there's yeah. this. There's this piece. I'll I'll put this out here if, if folks wanted to chime in that, that listen. But like I've been kicking around this piece in response to a lot of the Last of Us stuff, which is basically the premise is like why are video games so long rather than just saying like video games are too long, which I I agree with that like generalized criticism. Yeah. Um. But I have to imagine like some of the issue like that comes up here with like a Paper Mario is like often has less to do with uh. I'm sure it has some degree to do with like, oh, players expect X amount of, va- you know, quote unquote value from their purchase. Like that is certainly like a uh, significant factor, I think, like in that discussion. But also it's just got to be difficult to just like you come up with a good idea and like, woof, time to throw it away and come up with, with another one. Yeah. So I think like there's like a tension between like those two things where like I always admire games that have honestly the audacity to be like, this is a good idea. In fact, we're going to leave you wanting more rather than like fully like squeezing yep. everything out of it. Cause that's like a really, that's I imagine really difficult to find the balance on, especially if you're a creator where you lose all sight of like, how fresh is this anyway? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I just imagine that's like a really difficult thing to, to balance. So games that like are like notable in how fast they get rid of good new ideas in pursuit of the next one. I always find to be really fascinating. Totally. Uh, we should go to break, uh, and we'll come back and talk about more about uh, some some games. BRB. Yeah, 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, we are back. Actually, the other game we talked about, I think, is more complicated in many ways. Yeah. Uh, is uh, Deadly Premonition 2. A Blessing um, in Disguise, I think is the is it? subtitle. Well, no, that's the that's the actual name of it. <laughs> I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't being cheeky. No, but I'm saying, is it? Oh, I you know, I don't know. I, uh, I've played four or five hours of it. Um, mm-hmm. I've always had complicated thoughts about Deadly Premonition, especially because when I played that original game, I didn't, ha- I, like, I didn't watch... Twin Peaks until like the third season and then rushed through seasons one and two and then didn't watch the third season because right. of, of re- something I can't remember. Um, and so I, I mean, I was charmed by Deadly Premonition, but also never quite was able to settle on like is, is, is sweary. Um, you know, the, the, the sort of like a creative director of Deadly Premonition. Um, like, does he understand like, like how much of what is going on here is intentional? How much of it is, are we all just collectively making fun of a bad game and the creator just decided to like, ha ha, I know I am laughing with like, you. Like, like the it's style. Tommy was so <laughs> shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think like history has proven out um, later. And I think Prem- Deadly Premonition 2 to a degree proves out that he like does know what he's doing. Um, maybe it's a degree of leaning into a thing that people liked more than uh, he intended to at first, but it has very much become sort of a, part of his veneer. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't, I think you and I both like tried to get around to playing the missing, which I still, I every played day a little re- bit of it. Yeah. I played like an hour and a half. Um, found yeah, like I played, the puzzle. I played a little oh, bit more than that, but yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I just found mechanically it to be sort of blah and then didn't get far enough to like quite understand. Um, cause like a lot of like critics and writers, um, that I have a profound respect for, like really look at the missing, um, which is a game about like understanding uh, like your body. Like it's been like highly praised as a uh, like queer focused story in a way and that specifically like a trans story, right? Like yes, I, yes. I revisited this in light of, I mean, God, this is the thing with, with Swery and with Deadly Premonition is that like Deadly Premonition one towards the end of that game without getting into spoilers uh, really has some, some deeply transphobic bullshit in it. Um, uh, and in, in the missing, you know, this is a game that was praised. Um, I, I went around last week and, and looked up some of the, the pe- re reread some of those pieces by like Laura Kate Dale and Julie Muncie. Yeah, Julie Muncie's, uh, just trans, to trans out, critics. Yeah. Uh, that this queer horror game forced you to literally tear yourself apart. Um, right. Julie wrote yes. a piece for, uh, the verge, which is, if you want to get a, a sense of like the broader, you know, why was this game so heralded by the queer uh, critics in particular? I think Julie like nails, um, what was what was why it resonated with with so many people totally and so and so coming into Deadly Premonition two I think that's been part well, I guess of also that. if we're bringing up the missing we also should, should point out the um, right fuck yeah um, Matt, uh, Matt Cohn Con uh, C O N N was in in the credits of that game uh, Matt Cohn had been previously uh, uh, you know uh, 
what's the what's the word I'm looking Gamer for? Gamer X. He was a founder and organizer right. founder, of Gamer founder X. Founder and organizer of Gamer X, and then ousted after um, sexual harassment, mismanagement, abuse, bullying, all sorts of other uh, allegations came to light, uh, and and he stepped back. Um, and yet, Swery had kind of continued uh, associating with with Matt, and so even this game, The Missing, that had been well received by queer and trans. Well, like it, it uh, flipped. It, it kind of flipped the script. It was like Deadly Premonition game that was like charming and weird, right? Very leaning into the Twin Peaks thing, and then had uh, some sort of like shitty content at the end. And then The Missing, a game that, by most accounts, like the content of the game itself, like really great and smart and thoughtful. But then you know the the surrounding stuff of like who was involved in the creation of that game or involved in some parts of the creation of that game um, and was publicly associated with it, then left those same people who felt seen by the game feeling crummy uh, mm-hmm. about um, publicly championing it. It's worth saying also, I always I, I always forget this until until after the conversation and someone has to remind me of this, that it was not only Matt Cohn, it was also Tony Roca, who was also uh, a, a like executive director or, pro or something like that mm. uh, of, of GamerX. Also, um, uh, similar similar allegations uh, of inappropriate behavior, um, and Tony Roca also in the credits of the missing as an advisor. Gotcha. Hmm. So okay. it's like this. It it it's very clearly that there is an association there, and that's an association that I think has has led a lot of people not to trust Sweary, despite maybe the fact that they like the missing, despite the fact that maybe they like Deadly Premonition. Even and, in and spite then Sweary comes across in his in in both uh, sort of his public persona and. You know, in my own, like, I've had plenty of personal interactions with Swery over the years. Like, comes across as, like, a, a genuine, nice person who's, like, cares about, deeply cares, probably, honestly, to, like, a uh, a degree that is uh, uh, more than he needs to, like, about what his fans think. And so I think, like, that's, like, a tension that, like, leads into Deadly Premonition 2, um, mm. a game that, uh, so... I'll get to some of the issues people have had specifically with it. Um, when I played it, I will say uh, one of like the first alarm bells I had when, you know, by writing the missing, like writing a queer focused story, like swear is, you know, putting himself out there to some degree to like say, I'm going to tell one of these stories. And like, that's, you know, that, that's something the fact that it landed and it resonated is, mm-hmm. is not nothing. Cause that's a, that's a big swing um, to take. And so deadly premonition two, you know, is immediately set. I forget what the, the city is called, but it's like, it's in Louisiana. It's like, uh, it's described as on the way to um, New Orleans. And the first thing you realize is like, oh, this game is going to be completely full of black characters. Like, everywhere. Right. Which makes there sense. There is 100%. one black character in Deadly Premonition 1, and his name is Usha. <laughs> his name is Usha Johnson. <laughs> mm. You don't remember Usha? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, God sorry to give you this. Merry flashback. Christmas, Xbox. Merry Christmas, Xbox. Wait, you don't remember Usher? <laughs> Merry Christmas, Swery. You, you want to? Do you don't remember what Usher looks like? <laughs> are you looking it up now? Are you? Are you? Sharing? I know what Usher looks like. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, the, which is to say, he was. A, he's there. a. He was the coroner. He's like the the doctor that uh-huh. you meet when you first get to town. He loves chess. He's stuck on a chess puzzle, and I think the chess puzzle, <laughs> if I remember right, I played Deadly Premonition like twice. Is Naming all of the chess pieces. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was the puzzle that York has to solve. Like, what's the Q stand for? Queen. Anyway. Uh, so, uh, so you know, my, uh, let's say you say that and my brain, my alarm bells no, start going of course, off. And that's, and, Kill and Bill that's, Sirens. That's, and, and 
that that's what started happening with me. I was like, oh, Louisiana. I'm like, okay, are this? I can see. I can see. Like, this is a city that can have a lot of like, you know, it's it's a deadly premonition and uh, has a game with a lot of like eccentric characters. Like, I could see why you'd want to set it in a place like this so you could you find another set of characters you could play with. But immediately then, when I like after meeting like the third black character, I was like, oh no, like this this really could go. All sorts of sideways, especially because every character you meet in a Deadly Premonition game is going to be eccentric and exaggerated and um, yeah, kind of strange. Like, that's part of the veneer. Like, that's part of Twin Peaks, and that's part of what Deadly Premonition is, is directly um, you can engaging do it. with. It's, it's, it's much easier if, for instance, you're a black creator doing it, right? Atlanta, the, the Donald Glover show, is filled with eccentric characters. It's very clearly a love letter to the, that style of storytelling, uh, or not even a love letter to. That's unfair. It, it, it stands shoulder to shoulder with that style of storytelling, that like Twin Peaksy, like, is this really happening right now? Yeah. Stuff. Are we in a dream? Is this Atlanta. reality? Right, yada, exactly. Yada, yada. Exactly. Is this, are we, is this for real? Um, and so it's, you, can, you can absolutely do that with black characters. And I'm not even, I'm not, and, and even the characters I encountered early on, I'm not even like suggesting uh, that off the bat, I was like, oh, th- these are done poorly. It's more just, I was like, oh, it's not hard to imagine this going sideways gotcha, like gotcha. pretty quickly because what, what you know, it was not going to be hard for me to imagine what is going to be the where it'd be easy for someone uh, to lose the distinction between exaggerating a character and then falling into a bunch of really noxious stereotypes. And so, right. I, I, by the couple characters I encountered early on, I didn't get that vibe. I, okay. I, I would, I would leave that to other writers who have played more of like, you know, the 20 ish hours to, to speak more to that. I will say that's, the criticism I've read about the game doesn't seem to have like lifted that up, but I don't know how many black critics reviewed the game, yada, yada, yada. So I want to leave some uh-huh. important caveats um, there uh, aside. Um, but the, 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 you know, the game, the, the criticism it has come under is because uh, there is a sequence, not a sequence, like one of the, from what I understand, one of the, there's a polygon piece that will, uh, if you want to like look this up to uh, sort of like set themselves up for this conversation directly. Well, this is under, Deadly Premonition 2 director Swery apologizes for events of trans content in game. There's a piece over at Polygon um, that will uh, kind of set you up for uh, this. Uh, there's a character in the game where uh, York uh, repeatedly uh, misgenders them. And my understanding is this comes uh, in a game where there are points where York is very clearly like not more in like you were to summarize as saying like trans rights. Um, and yet then the game uh, engages in directly with right. the character of York, the main character, um, you know, misgendering this person, dead naming this person, um, and uh, it's seeming out of step uh, with a creator that was, you know, champion for writing a queer story and then decides to center a trans character to then, you know, not have done the homework to, uh, you know, be uh, particularly sensitive um, uh, in the, the sequences that they were playing out in Deadly Prime Edition 2. So then Swery wrote this piece or this uh, uh, this message a couple of days back. It said, Dear Deadly Premonition fans, I'd like to tell an uh, important message. He does like caveat. He's like, hey, I just like jumped this into Google Translate, which is like, uh-huh. hey, buddy, like you've got to have you have a producer like you have please. a PR people. Please like you're talk you're talking about how you may have miscommunicated in a scene. It's not this is not the point to to be like like weirdly charming, like trying to be weirdly charming with like a Google Translate. But all that said, he's, uh, he wrote, I realized uh, by pointed out from friends, I might have hurt transgender people in my scenario. It wasn't intentional. I'm really sorry for that. Some scenes will be 
sanity checked by a team that included diversity, and I will rewrite that scene ASAP. So please continue to support Deadly Premonition. I'm the one writing the scenario. There's like some, there's like a lot to unpack in that statement, uh, which you, is like, the, yeah. Uh, if you click through, there's more to it because that the Twitter thing is I'm the one writing the scenario, so the characters are not responsible. My fault. Please don't hate them. Sweary. Which, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah. It's like, it's like on one hand, uh, look, this is how, you know, if you want to be uh, charitable, like you, you take, you take ownership over fucking up. You say you yeah. fucked it up. I'm the one that did and you it. Fix it. Like, and, and they say they're going to rewrite it. I don't, we don't know what that means. You know, we don't, you know, I, what does it mean to have a scene? I'm not making fun of his poor English, but like to say sanity checked by a team that included diversity, like that sounds well, like, like a, I, my specific thing is like, okay, well, is it Matt? Is it Matt Khan? Is it, who is it? Who's the, well, that's what, who that's what your, I mean. And like, that's and my, also, my thing is like, who is around you right. that you trust to do this work? Do I trust them to do that work? I, would, would trans players trust them to do that work? And that's a, that's a very difficult thing. And, and it's, it's tough because it's like, to some degree, making that mistake to begin with suggests a certain superficial understanding of the, of the issue. But that seems contrary to the missing, which seems like it hit something really resonant for players, right? Yes. So, But I also wonder, this, mess. this is me speaking slightly out of my ass, like, is the, is the missing more metaphor, whereas the Deadly, Deadly Premonition 2 is, like, very specifically, like, speaking to, I mean, I don't know, like, again, I haven't played the missing. I wonder if, like, that My is understanding what, is the missing is more direct than that. Okay, all right. That, okay. It, that it does not just linger in the space of, based on the stuff that I've It's read, not just right? a like reading. It's, 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 it's saying, right. like, hey, no, this is the text. Yes, correct. Okay. Yes. okay. I just, I, um, my only thought was, like, oh, like, in working in metaphor, did that, like, allow for less missteps like this, whereas Deadly Prevention I mean, 2 I, is specifically being, like, hey, hey, like. I think working in metaphor, from what I've read, this is just me repeating what I've read, there is metaphor at work throughout yeah, the entire, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a game sure. in which you're using your own body as a way of. <laughs> You're throwing your body into into uh, uh, traps to give yourself uh-huh. like a bridge to cross into a better into the the, the to progress right like you're. I thought you said, you're did you say almost stepping. into a better world. Into a better world. It's not a better world. It's, I don't. I, I haven't finished the game. I don't know that's a better world. But you know, your body is a is a bridge yeah, yeah, yeah. towards something else, and blah 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 blah. So like, I there is metaphor happening there, but everyone everything I've read is like this is a trans character. This is a trans story. Like not gotcha. just the stays in, in the world of of subtext. Um, in any case, it's it's frustrating because I have already seen a lot of people – one of the responses I see to this stuff is almost infantilizing to sweary where it's like, oh, he doesn't know any better. It's like right. he's just a little – he's just a little squirrel man. He doesn't – you know, he doesn't really – Well, that's, just, his, pers- that's you know, his persona bleeding into people's like perception it is. of and him it's as a, a writer. It's, there's also a little bit of that classic like, well, you know, in Japan – like, yeah. meanwhile, trans folks taking to the streets mm-hmm. to protest for their rights in Japan. It's not, like, mm-hmm. it's not just Japan. That's not, you can't just erase, like, the the work that queer activists have done in order to give your fave a pass. You or, know what or, I mean? Or it's like, look, you can say this is uh, this is not wholly unexpected from uh, a, a game like this, but then at the same time, you can't totally. say, but, but, but my... But the person I like, who's very charming and who follows me on Twitter because he follows everyone on Twitter. He follows everyone. Well, not yeah. not not him, not him. Like I mean, not just, him, right? Yeah. Totally, totally. I, listen, I I I hope that he fixes it. Um, I it, it seems like he is someone who wants to tell stories about queerness. Um, uh, my understanding is from from talking to some other folks who have played this game that it does get into the race stuff uh, in a more serious way, in the way of like. There are black characters who talk about the difficulties that they've that they've had with race. Um, 
I it it would it would take like a real good cosign for me to sit down and play this game myself at this point. Um, especially so because uh, especially so given the other half of this game that we haven't talked about at all being that it runs like absolute ass. On <laughs> yeah, My, right I, I am I am convinced that it is a, it was a PC or console game that at some point it seems was like picked it. up to be a Switch game. Uh, it's really the only explanation. So if if I recommend folks, I think I think uh, uh, Digital Foundry did this as a troll, um, but they did a technical analysis of Deadly Premonition Two. Um, the reason I recommend watching is because it's just interesting. Deadly Premonition or uh, Digital Foundry's analysis have like a, a real time frame rate like graphs on the screen, and this is a game where when you're inside. It's, it often struggles to hit 30 frames a second. It is often in like the, the 20s. And and the moment you go outside, you are in not the teens, but like single digits. And it's there's wild. nothing happening. There, yeah. It is not a particularly detailed looking city. There are no cars. People like the the anime. Like there are NPCs in various spots of this of this town, or but they don't do anything. Like maybe they just sort of like the most of the animations are are like like the equivalent of like a Mortal Kombat like status animation, like when they're getting ready to fight when you're picking your fighter. Like they right. just don't, there's not technically a lot happening to explain why the performance is what it is other than I, what I presume is that it just wasn't originally meant for this platform and then ran into a lot of technical issues in, in the porting process. Um, you know, I, I think that that notion of performance is like a really like it's, cause I actually don't think it matters that much, right? Like I think it's funny because it's it's not just bad it's like like hysterically bad like just on, it's like worth watching videos of it just to like you think you know how slow it is but then to see it is just like it's it's not quite charming in its own right but i do think it's overblown to the degree that if you were if this game suddenly ran at 60 frames a second like it doesn't change anything about it like it's not a mechanical driven game it has some combat but it's not that's not what it's about and um I do think to some degree it is like arguable that like the technical misgivings of or uh, so like shortcomings of Deadly Premonition One were a huge part of what people considered its charm. Like, and I think like technical issues, like however you want to categorize them, can be aesthetic. And I do think to some degree that is aesthetic for Deadly Premonition, mm-hmm. um, whether that's on purpose or is just like a byproduct of lack of resources or ambition you know i think that could you can assign that in different ways but i you know i i want to push back on the notion that like poor performance thus means inherently a negative i think we've all played like the idea that like finely tuned well-running video games is a recent phenomenon in video games (laughs) like maybe less true for folks who have always played on the pc where you could always just buy something faster to accommodate um a game running better but if you've like myself largely up until like i have had a pc for about uh you know like 10 years now but prior to that only played on console like i was used to games playing like shit i was used to playing n64 games that ran at teen frame rates with fog like i played Mm -hmm. turok and i fucking love that game so Mm -hmm. and i like go play turok one on pc with some of that fog removed yeah you know what turns out the fog is part of the aesthetic of that game and it doesn't really work without it um so I, I just think that there is a degree to which kind of taking the piss out on this game, I think, obscures the way that sometimes um, games that aren't technically proficient, you know, a, a common or, or a, not a Blight, like, Blight Town and Dark Souls, right? I right, think Blight right. Town with a better frame rate 
is a poorer experience than having played Blight Town um, with barely able to walk through that world. Now, that world, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an was that from there software's that... intent? Did they say we're going to make this place like run like shit? No, I don't think so. But um, but they did say what they did say is this we're going to leave it in the game enough. Right? Exactly. Right. We didn't we didn't we remove didn't it. This... They took stuff yes. out of that game. They they right. decided actually. This is fine. Whereas and the torches in Dark Souls 2 that was supposed to be there were removed <laughs> yeah. because yes. they couldn't, they presumably weren't running well enough. And they're yeah. like, well, this isn't a big enough deal. We don't need this enough to da 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 da. I, I like, um, I, I definitely think when I think about Deadly Premonition 1, the stuff that feels intentional around that, or doesn't even feel intentional, but does contribute, are things like the sound mixing, things like yeah. the the like repeated music, the, the awkward repeated, animations. Uh, like the animation feels perfect. Headshot, yeah. headshot. <laughs> you know, got him perfect uh, a thousand times per <laughs> room. Um, is you know that stuff I think is a hundred percent that what that game is going for. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I have like such, I watched, I rewatched the Deadly Premonition Endure, I watched, not, the dueling, the dueling endurance I runs? didn't watch both of the endurance runs. Were you on one of those endurance runs? No, 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 that was not. Brad and, and Ryan and then Vinny and Jeff. I watched the Vinny and Jeff yeah. one recently, um, uh, as just like a thing on the back, in the background, and it's like, wow, yeah, this fucking, there is this game that has, for instance, a fast travel system hidden behind a sub quest a, a a side quest that it does not tell you about really at all that makes the entire game way more playable but it's impossible dri- to know because driving sucks well except the driving is also the best part because yes. it's when york tells you stories about movies mm-hmm. that he likes is that stuff well, still around are you still getting so that, that stuff that stuff's still in there um my wife told me to turn the game off i was playing it on the uh she was uh, finishing up some work recently uh. And I had it playing on the big screen instead of in handheld mode. And so in this game, your primary form of transport is a skateboard. Right. Um, <laughs> in, in, a, in a bit, this seems like a little, the game trying to be a little too cheeky. I actually, like the bit doesn't work for me. Like it's kind of funny the first time. And then you quickly realize, oh, like they're just going to commit like, oh, this is just okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, from what I understand, there is a fast travel option that eventually becomes yeah. available. Um, I just I was like right on the cusp of getting to that before I put it down um, for for Paper Mario, um, but um, yes, like so, yeah, a huge part of why you want to travel in Deadly Premonition, and this is true in this one, is that like York will just start talking to himself or talking to the character that he's with, and those yeah. those extended diatribes talking are like yeah, are some of the the best um, writing in the game, and it is it is, it is also here where uh, sort of like the bit in one and, and also in two is. That uh, York is a, a huge fan of like of Hollywood, um, of cinema, and will go into like long like explanations of why he loves certain genres or actors, and it's it's very very charming. The problem is, and the my guess is more of this unlocks as you go along. But I was trying to explore the world just to see like what was around, and it just kept looping the same two bits over and over. Yikes. And every time it would loop before my wife said anything, I would, I started sweating. I was like, she's, I was like turning down the volume. I was like, she's going to know, like it's looping again. Like, oh fuck. And I was like so far from like my waypoint and like, just like sweating. So like mashing the fast button, like trying to go on the skateboard, York, like shut the fuck up. Like, and if you get off the skateboard, he stops telling the story. So I like kind of get off the skateboard (laughs) and then like just walk for a little bit and then get on the skateboard. And then he would start the story again. And eventually my wife shuts her laptop. He's like, 
what the fuck are you playing? Why does he keep telling the same stories? And <laughs> he, I, like, is just, it a thing just, where he has to finish the story so that he can... Yeah, he like, or he just picks it up again. Like, it's just like the, <sighs> the, the, the bucket that the character can pull out of at this point in the game is it's only so small. this. And he'll um, keep, even if he finishes the story, he'll go back and tell that whole story again. I think so, yes. I believe that's Ooh. how it works. And so eventually I, I just sheepishly took the switch off the dock Damn. and I put on headphones. I was like, Damn. oh, yeah, you're... <laughs> you're right. That, you're right. That's very annoying. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I'm uh, mixed feelings on it at this point. Like, if they're gonna, I'd, I'd rather play the game with like the updated writing. I don't feel the need to like play through wait. a scene that has uh, yeah. uh, um, misgendering uh, you know, and dead naming and everything. Yeah, else. I, like, and, and honestly, like, I, what I at this point, what I'm interested in is waiting for uh, you know some some trans critics and 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 from what you set up, like some black critics to weigh in on. Whether or not this is a thing that that is worth looking at, uh, well, I want to I want to know beyond points. just like, haha, it's another set of wacky weird characters, you know, right. like, um, like it's picking this lo- like in the same way that Missing was explicitly telling uh, a queer centric story, like by setting this in New Orleans and like the characters it set up, like about you know, uh, you know, one of the main characters you encounter is like a, a black sheriff, like surrounded by like powerful white people, like okay, like. You're right. you're making a choice. Um, like you're you can't tell this story without like you're you're setting up some dominoes that need to fall. Um, so I just don't feel the need to like I, I I'm like with you. Like there are so we many games other I could be There's playing so right now. Be playing, yeah. I could I'd loop back around to this at a different point and right. like both see including where, like, the games critic- by by queer and black creators. <laughs> it yeah. turns out. Yeah. Um, God. Um. Uh. I quickly want to shout out another thing, um, if possible, which is. You set a high bar the first time, so, you know. This is not as high of a bar, I don't think. Okay. I'm right. not as in love with it, but it's it's neat. Um, you know <laughs> Darkest Dungeon. Yes. Yeah. You know um, Etrian Odyssey. I love this trailer. You know. You know Etrian Darkest Odyssey. Dun- you know Darkest Dungeon. <laughs> but you don't know Aria Chronicle, a <sighs> game I wandered into last week uh, okay. on Steam. I love, uh, it was like I love any top. game that has... Uh, parentheses around its um its name oh does this one have does it do that in the, oh, well yeah, in like this in, in like the, the yeah. in the yeah in the the preview it says aria chronicle worldview and it's bracketed or bracketed bracketed yeah um and it's like a it's it's so much lighter than darkest dungeon or or etrian odyssey but it's like it's it's one of those in that you're exploring a dungeon you have a collection of characters many of whom are like just class with a name attached attached to them that you recruit from the tavern um the the pitch like if you look at the steam reviews it's like oh yeah this is anime darkest dungeon that's like what the pitch is and in a, in a real way they're not wrong like right. you're doing the darkest dungeon thing you're going from like location to location in the dungeons you are um you know spending uh, uh tracking your resources spending stam- stamina in order to like dig through uh, a rock to get to the other side and if you have a shovel, you don't have to spend that stamina to do it. You're keeping track of like your your character's HP and mana, and like trying to make sure you, you've managed that well. Um, uh, the individual fights um, through the first like act of the game aren't that tough, but there's like a pretty tough, interesting boss fight against a, like a wyvern. And now I'm in the second like big zone, and the fights and like the enemy composition has gotten a lot more interesting. I, I fought a group of like mole creatures that were defended by big pig guys. 
and the big pig guys are like in the front line, while the little mole guys got in the back line and then dug underground. So that meant that they were like super hard to hit. It's like until I beat the fucking pig guys up front, I can't get to the guys behind the the, the moles behind them. Um, and it's just like it's a hundred percent if you like that this specific aesthetic, mm-hmm. uh, which which feels like a little bit like um, vanillaware stuff, but not not all the way. To, to vanillaware excess, let's say, but it's in that school of it's in that certain <laughs> visual school, let's say, um, uh, in terms of color. And excess is one of the tags for vanillaware games on yeah, Steam. Uh, it absolutely is, um, and and I'm having a good time with it. I like it's cool to have something in that space that's a little bit lighter than the uh, than than what I would say like a traditional. Um, uh, like dungeon crawling RPG. Uh, again, I haven't hit any like huge difficult. Actually, that's not true. The first time I did a, a mission that was like one level too bi- too high for me, I was like, I gotta, I gotta get the fuck out of here. I'm not ready for this. But I just went back and like grinded really briefly. It's like it is one of those things that's a great podcast game uh, for sure. And it's also one of those things that's like um, your characters get fun traits randomly, and that means that they have a sense a sense of like you know, uniqueness or something, even though they're all basically just collections of stats on a screen with some art. Um, Or even, even because like you'll end up with a thing that's like, okay, like basically every warrior class gets the same abilities. Um, But, you know, maybe it's a situation where like your warrior has a special, has a special thing that makes them really good against, uh, you know, ancient dragons. Or I had one that was like, yeah, you're just tall. <laughs> you're tall, which gives you like extra. It's like it gives you extra damage against the back row, but it means that you're easier to hit or something like that. It's like, all right, yeah, that's a fun bullshit trait to put on this character. Why not? You know. Um, uh, so I'm I'm enjoying it, and and it's again a hundred percent that's that perfect style of like podcasty game. Uh, put it on while you're listen, listening to something or watching something. Grind your way through a dungeon. Enjoy some of the special abilities that are really cool. There's some good like. Um, it's that style thing that where it's like, ooh, okay, what what um, elemental weaknesses do these enemies have that I can take advantage of? What status effects can I put on them to try to mitigate their power? You know, every time I start around, I do a thing, or every time I start a fight, my main character has like a, an ability that has a fifty percent chance to give a, like a fear effect to everyone in a single row. So it's like, and if they're afraid, they they might skip their turn. So it's like, all right, I'm gonna start with that, then I'm gonna lead in with my paladin and try to get aggro onto her, and da 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 da. Um, and also, some of the classes are dope. I have a cook. I have a cook named Verona, and she <laughs> she's great. She like uh, can heal my party with with hors d'oeuvres and with a feast, uh, and also can like try to cook the enemy with a flamethrower because that's what cooks do. Oh, so yeah. uh, you know, I'm anytime bae. that you have like a, a cute cook enemy or, or uh, character class, I'm in. That's a that's a good ca- that's a good character class. More cooks in JRPGs, please. <laughs> Lord um, Lord Hamlet on Steam writes, I set the game to hard because I thought it would be super easy and a pushover. Might have to turn out the difficulty of getting nearly wiped out by a bunch of bees. <laughs> See? Those bees, oh, they patched those bees. They, I saw oh, that. They, oh, that was like a was known a, issue? A, that was a known issue. <laughs> wow. I think, uh, I think it, the uh, update from the studio, which is named Crest, it is a Japanese developer, <laughs> I believe. Um, where is it? I just, oh, here it is. This is from the 14th, so, so two days ago as of this recording. Five honeybees will no longer appear in quests that are level three or lower. <laughs> you will not fight five honeybees. All right, Lord Hamlet, you need to, you to update your update your Steam review. Update I mean, it was that positive, review. but now I think you're going to be more positive. Exactly. Which you know that stuff's hard. Like uh, the, one of the other things they added was like added ways to counter poison early in the game, which is good because I almost got fucking wiped out. Okay, so poison in most games. What's poison do normally? 
Damage over time. Simple. Damage over Damage time. Damage over time. This one was like, oh yeah, your the the wyvern poisoned my my whole party. I was like, all right, but I almost have it dead. I had it like I think it started with like three hundred HP or maybe four or five hundred, and I had it down to one hundred. And I was like, I'm working on this thing. My characters all have between let's say thirty and fifty HP. Um, I'm like, okay, it's fine. They'll take some hits over the next couple of rounds. It says it's going to be on for two rounds. And I looked at it more closely, and it was like, you'll die in two rounds from being poisoned. Whoa. Like, what? Excuse, Excuse me? me? <laughs> uh, that's not how poison's supposed to work in video games. I guess that's how it works in real life sometimes. Yeah. But I'm supposed to just be able to, like, weather it. Um, so I had, to, I had to, like, I'm so glad I noticed it. I noticed it at exactly the last moment I could salvage it. I had one character who had dodged it, um, and she was able to, like, use her turn to purify someone else. And then they were able to use their turn to to like do use the consumable to purify more people. Uh, and then somebody else I think had a, a consumable that was like, um, you can, for the next two rounds, you won't get knocked out no matter what. But as, as soon as that second round is over, you get knocked out. And that's like the sort of fun little interaction stuff I love in RPGs and like in, in RPG combat systems. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's doing it. Um, and, and I've realized now I've just done the fucking thing that I made fun of it for to a friend of mine when I first saw this game, which is on the store page, it has the sentence, um, uh, please give yourself a try on Aria Chronicle, the game that makes you feel excited just by hearing about it. And, <laughs> and now I'm like, fuck, I'm telling fun stories about this game. I'm falling into their trap. Um, anyway, it's cool. I like the character designs. I, I think that the, the music is good. The audio stuff is, is like all... Like all the different character classes are cool. They all have have cool things that they say. There's a I have a character class called the Invoker who is just I don't trust this motherfucker at all. <laughs> he just constantly is seems sounds like he's scheming whenever he talks. And it, well, it's he's, all he's invoking. He's invoking and he's invoking my hate is what he's invoking. <laughs> Actually, he's a he's it's interesting because he's like um he's a character class that you need to give up a place in your party to let the invoker in because his hmm. whole thing is that he summons a familiar. He summons like a big genie basically huh. to fight alongside of him, but you need an empty slot in your party for that genie to come into. So I'm already like giving this invoker a lot of space to let him even be on board. Um, and then he can't even fucking summon the genie right away or the, the familiar. He has to spend a turn invoking he's just to turn being like oh, i gotta get myself right first i love give me a second austin and then once he does that he's like a he's like a power charge turn and then after that he can do an incredible amount of damage to one enemy across like every different elemental type or he can summon the familiar which is like a super strong beefy companion character like pet class uh, and so he's cool but then you end the thing and you get some treasure and he goes like i'll be taking that or something like that he says it in japanese but it's subtitled i'll be that's mine and like shut the fuck up Bill. I don't remember what his name is. I'm going to call him Bill. Bill. Don't get the fucking... Some of you are familiar. We're going to fight these lizards. It's just... Stop being so creepy. Uh, anyway. Aria Chronicle. I'm enjoying did it. Did you... Did you see that uh, Gene Parker of the Washington Post pointed out that the Ghost of Shima has two separate scripts? No. Huh. So that, like... Um, I want to pull up, though, how you exactly... Uh, did you have you gone back to that? Have you put any more time in that since we talked about no, it? No, I, I I want to. Um, uh, hold on, I'm trying to pull it. Is up it in a, is it on Twitter or is it a, is it? A, it is a, it is on it is on Twitter. I did. Um, shoot. Uh, the, the basic version is like characters that say things in English uh, do not line up with what they're saying in Japanese, and not in just a strictly. Um, 
Oh, right. That makes sense. Oh, I see it. localization, you're going to... It's like tonally, like fundamentally <sighs> He says, different. yes, it's worth pointing out that Ghost of Tsushima has two scripts, one in English and one in Japanese. A peasant will say, thank you so much in Japanese. In English, that becomes, my life is in your hands, my lord. <laughs> it's dumb. <laughs> Yikes. That's bad. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I am not a localizer. I am very curious i would love to see that just feels like a lot of flavor like I'll, yeah. you know like yeah they're like, they're like i know I, yeah. japanese and english are different languages and i'm but. not here for i'm not here for like that style of argument it's like and you should do a quote-unquote literal no, translation no, 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 no. but i am i am two wholly different if the scripts are in fact <laughs> those are different scripts <laughs> that's pretty wild um yeah god uh Speaking of Washington Post, do you want to talk about the, <laughs> the Dr. Disrespect interview? I thought maybe like you got like a email that's like, hey, your subscription's up. And, uh, no, I'm uh, No, yeah, I, I thought that was worth bringing up. Um, this morning, there were two interviews that went up with uh, uh, Dr. Disrespect, who's, you know, uh, Guy Beam, B-E-A-H-M, um, who uh, recently was... Uh, permanently banned from Twitch. Uh, Twitch famously, or I guess infamously, really like tends to not uh, give explanations for uh, why folks are banned. They keep all of those uh, discussions and explanations private. Um, he was also uh, kicked off of Discord, I believe, as well. Um, and uh, it's Twitch loves to bring people who do things bad back and like regard and i i I say do things bad because the infractions can like range like so wildly you know there was wasn't there was a a twitch streamer who uh was pretty credibly accused of like injuring a a, a dog like during a stream and they were allowed back um dr disrespect is someone who violated the privacy of people at e3 who were going to the bathroom and was banned and allowed back um mm-hmm. like twitch finds itself in a place where uh and this is true of a lot of social platforms in which the way they monetize themselves and support uh, like every person doing a stream and not having it cost a fortune is because they make all their money with these uh, these really big uh, content creators. Uh, the result of which means that if they are to truly police their platform in any meaningful degree means they're like shoving money out the door. You know, you can't, you know, there are lots of new creators will come along, but Dr. Disrespect is in a certain class of creator where um, – they like to Twitch likes to talk a big game about like cleaning up their platform, but they, you know, tr- was it Trump got kicked? Uh, Trump's Twitch account got kicked off for two weeks, and um, now like his his account is back in the standing where it can, can stream again. Um, so anyway, uh, we still don't know why uh, he was uh, permanently banned and is not coming back. Like that is a for Twitch to make that declaration is suggest something pretty significant. Um, we don't know what that is. I'm not um, attempting to speculate on what that is. I don't have any reporting that would lead me to fall one way or the under. Um, you know, so there's no like sort of sometimes on a podcast it can be, hey, we can sort of like wink, wink in a direction that I wouldn't put in a story. Um, that there's nothing, there's nothing like that here. But um, there were pieces that went up in uh, the Washington Post and PC Gamer um, in which uh, Dr. Disrespect uh, spoke about well, honestly, nothing. Um, neither of these stories meaningfully answers uh, what happened. Um, neither of these stories 
both of them ask, you know, do you know why you were let go? And uh, in the doctor's respect, in, in both cases, uh, says he has not heard from Twitch why. And in both uh, interviews uh, is told when uh, sort of like some speculation begins to occur about why he might have been banned, a publicist steps in and says, oh, uh, well, let me just read. Let me just read from this PC yeah. Gamer interview, which will sort of illustrate that uh, publicist. Uh, so for this PC Gamer uh, uh, interview, uh, sure. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, you recently uh, ruffled a few feathers after showing a video during a stream of Dr. Thomas uh, Cowan, Cohen, and he was talking about some coronavirus theories. You've been open recently and sharing some of your own thoughts about coronavirus and even relating it to things like five G networks. Even on your last stream, you were talking about David Ike and his documentary. I'm curious and bring up those thoughts, and I think it's okay to call them controversial. Did that ever result in Twitch saying anything to you or warning you? Uh, Dr. Disrespect says no. Um, and the PC Gamer goes on. Uh, so you don't think that might be the cause? And Dr. Disrespect goes, I don't think so. In fact, I, his publicist, steps in. We're getting really close to dangerous territory here. Uh, so you know, Doc, we uh, don't know why Twitch banned him, and there's no formal warnings or reprimand on record. That's uh, all legal is going to let him say. Um, yeah. And so... You know, I my issue. I wrote a tweet earlier today about this, which is that um, when I saw the Washington Post interview go up, and there was no answer to like what happened here, um, and then I saw very quickly another interview go up, PC Gamer, um, in which there was no answer to the central question. Um, the fact that there were two interviews coordinated, most likely then tied to an embargo, yeah. suggests like a coordinated marketing campaign on behalf of Dr. Disrespect's, you know, people, you know, like the the folks that are do the marketing around him and, and help him with his image, setting this stuff up. And um, it made me uncomfortable that two outlets, two outlets that I like quite a bit, um, chose to run these pieces in which I'm not arguing they weren't critical of Dr. Disrespect or weren't, didn't push back on this like weird line of like, hey, I just don't know what happened. That's weird. Um, they like, especially in the PC game interview, which has a full transcript. Like, there's multiple times where um, Stephen Messer, Messner, the interviewer, um, pushes back on that. I just think I fall. I I didn't learn anything out of either of these interviews. And the moment that it's two interviews embargoed, tied together, as a reporter, that gives me pause. That am I participating in a marketing stunt? To what to end? I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe right. like neither. If if that's like, I don't think these pieces come across, like further the understanding to the public over what occurred and why. And when in Washington Post reporting, there's a there's a line where they suggest that it's um like the deal disrespect had with Twitch was um like possibly like a you know a hundred million dollars. Like like mm-hmm. a lot of money was like being exchanged here. So for Twitch to say to have that in your reporting and then Twitch to say. We're not. We're no longer associating with this person. Is a big fucking deal. Like it's like a, yeah, you know, that initial, without speculating about what happened, it suggests yeah. something deathly serious that would result in this. And so, I I'm not saying this interview shouldn't be run. I'm just saying like it would give me pause as a reporter to participate in something that then comes across as a marketing campaign to rehabilitate his image. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, I, I definitely see where that where you were coming from there. It's. It's tough because I think that I think the initial action is I don't actually I'm wrong, it's not tough. Um I think the initial action is newsworthy. I think after that, with unless you're getting something new, I don't know that. Taking we need the, to I don't I, so I, just, like, I don't I don't think there's a problem taking the interview, right? Like right. I would have taken the interview too. 
I of think that the question is then, what do you? You don't like, have to run every interview what, that you do, right? You don't um, like, and, I, and what that means is burning a bridge with, with someone, and uh, it may be burning a bridge with someone. Well, you know, but like sending them the note that says, after further after editorial review, we realized that you know this was not something that we wanted to run at this time. Uh, we thank you for taking taking the time to do this interview with us, and let us know if you have any other further questions. Like, boom, done out. You don't need to run it. There is no obligation. You didn't sign a contract that said if you do this interview, you have to run it. And if you did, then you're then you've already <laughs> fucked up. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. So yeah, it just left me. We're just saying no. Yeah, it just it left me with a queasy feeling. Like it's just not hard to imagine a scenario where if if something, you know, if we do find out what happened and it happened to be something like particularly egregious that like these these pieces would feel very strange as a result, which is like update, like you know, like here's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know. It was just one of those things that um I understand how these stories get written and like I've probably done stuff like that too. Uh, yeah. but it's this one in particular I don't know. It just gave me a bad feeling in the in the. Dude, pit sometimes of my, it's it's a lot easier to spot it from the outside, you know, looking in than from yeah, the inside. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's a personal fault. Like I definitely, it's not to say we haven't sat on or killed interviews or whatever in the past. We have, right? Um, but but I, I you it's know, hard I, to sit on content. <laughs> it can be very hard to be like, oh, we have this content in the bag. What are we doing? Why aren't we publishing this? Um, and we know people are going to click on it. Right. Right, exactly, and that means that like management will get off our asses, and we can do the stuff we really want to do. Well, sometimes. it's just and the thing that like really put it over the top for me was to like, like you know, and I I think both pieces do like try to go out of their way to like address this criticism I have. Like I think they both understood. Like you can read them, be like, oh, they know people are going to think. Yeah, they know. Um, the thing that like struck me as a little weird is then like while we were recording this, I got like an email from a publicist at the Washington Post. It's like, hey, look at this interview we have where Doctor Disrespect speaks. Um, and she's like, you know, that's not the report. Like that is a larger yeah. uh, apparatus operating the way it's going to operate. Um, but um, it, you know, it just kind of reinforced the queasy feeling I had about it. So totally. Ugh. Well, we'll see. I, I my guess is. I I I don't have I don't have an educated guess at this point. Um, I know there are lots of rumors out there about about his situation, uh, but but at this point, who knows? Who knows? Um, just be thoughtful in your coverage around that stuff. Be thoughtful in your coverage in general. And and I you know I've been doing a lot of thinking lately about like when you have that platform, what do you choose to do with it? Who do you tr- choose to to elevate? Um, I think there's been a lot of really important and good conversation around the the mutual tensions of of needing to keep the platform running. Uh, and that means doing stuff that is not necessarily your deep-seated interest, your like real reason for doing the damn thing, but is the like, how do we put seats in butts? How do we, how do we attend to an audience? Um, uh, while also, on the other hand, like how do we make sure that we're not un- undercutting ourselves in the long run by platforming people and ideas that run contrary to what our like long-term goals are and what we think are productive and et cetera. And, and like that can be, that can be a really tough balance to hit. Um, and it is, it is something that I think every outlet, every publication, especially if you are uh, uh, trying to t- tackle things that are political or tackle things that are in, uh, you know, work in a marginalized space, like you, you have to think about what that balance is and you can't just trust yourself to do it the right way. You have to be like constantly engaged with that question of 
hey, what else could I be spending my time and energy and like page space on? What else could I be trying to get people to read or watch or listen to? And then on top of that, it's or in our case, play, right? Uh, what, mm-hmm. else, what else could I be spending this time discussing? Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, it, it's a difficult thing where it's like, okay, we talked about Mario and we talked about uh, uh, Deadly Premonition because those are two biggish releases this week. Um, and we should talk about those. Our audience is interested in those. Um, but is there it, what? What did we fail to talk about there? And I, I'm this is I'm not. Well, I mean, this is like uh, Heather Alexandra had a, a, a couple of tweets recently yes. riffing on this, where it was uh, the, the idea is like, uh, um, is the fact that not an, more attention is paid to smaller releases like mid tier releases, um, indie games, yeah. is the reason those don't get the same sort of attention analysis and ultimately traffic, the result of a self perpetuating cycle. Um, or um, as some people just accept it, um, is that just that's just the, the the momentum of content that is the hierarchy, and thus it is what it is. Or is that something that we could change if we chose to change our personal? Right. It was a matter of will, I think, is the way Heather yeah. wrote about it. And I think yeah. that, that I think that I think it's, it's a mixture of two. Comp- I, th- yeah, I think I, it is, I, I think I think there are intrinsic forces. Like I just think. <laughs> More people are interested in Last of Us Part Un- Two. Unfortunately, right? um, unfortunately, from looking at our own statistics, looking at who shows up to listen to things, who shows up to read things, I did like a deep dive on some of this the other day. I was just looking over old stats in in after that conversation and looking at like you know in 2017 when we were publishing 50 pieces a week, you know, and we yep. were like going at it. What did well that year? And it was like never games crit. <laughs> It was never yeah. games crit, and it was especially never independent games crit. Or here's a cool free thing, or here's a thing from a designer you haven't heard about. Or, or if they if they hit, it's because we found like a really clever headline that or got right people. place, right time. You know, yeah. Cam's mm-hmm. piece on PUBG. It turns out <laughs> did yeah. numbers for all early year. PUBG, early PUBG, early piece on PUBG caught the SEO bug right, and like that meant that a lot of people got to read Cam's take on PUBG. Which great, that was a really great early take on PUBG. Like that was a really Perfect, boom! He nailed it. Um, uh, but that meant what that was, lots remember, of smaller. What was um, what was Rob's blog? Oh, that, like, the Stardew just one, took off? right? The Stardew, yes. um, Stardew. That was a that was an open thread. Remember? Yes, back when we did those uh, daily, when we uh, did those posts. daily posts. Which now, granted, Stardew is also uh, content bait. Like it that uh, does yes. really well. But Rob didn't write it because of that, and it did disproportionately well. Even if you were to caveat it with yes. like oh people click on starting one of content. the biggest pieces in 2018 when a game becomes a troubling psychological self-portrait <laughs> yeah. we saw that thing in the best traffic thing every rob, rob is so week. anti writing pieces for traffic yeah, and he's, he's like, like the not most the like service journalism dude he's not the like no any 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 he struggled so much in that era to be like i've got to write a thing this week because like rob is is more on the the line with uh on the side with like you, Austin, Me, where it's 100%. like, you, like, a piece is inspired to you, yeah. where I'm on, like, the other side where it's like, nah, let's get in that content mill, like, gotta write something today. <laughs> yeah. And I try, you know, and I try to do good work, yeah, but, like, yeah, yeah. The, I'm also a news reporter, and it's just like, I'm just engineered to, like, it was just different ways yes. of, of writing, and I don't do a lot of crit, so, right. but um, it was, that's why it was just so fascinating, because it's just, because of that dynamic, the fact that that piece ended up being, like, one of our top pieces that year, like, so always made me chuckle, me always too. made me, me laugh. Too. Uh, but yeah, but but there is a, there is a I, I think that it is both of those things, right? Because while but podcasts while, also have static traffic, right? right so exactly. there is a certain yes. floor to the people who are going to listen to this podcast. It may rise because hey, we're doing we're doing a spoiler Evangelion cast about- or we're doing <laughs> Last of Us Part <laughs> or Two or Kingdom Hearts or-, or Kingdom Hearts. But like there is a definitive right. floor, and so 
But this is one of the conversations that I think is fair to – one of the criticisms of us that I think is fair is given that we know we have a floor. And that floor is lower than what our average listenership is, right? Because you look at a new release episode, it does Mm -hmm. better numbers substantially than, hey, I'm going to talk about Umurangi Generation for the (laughs) third week in a row. (laughs) Even if I think Umurangi Generation (laughs) is actually a more interesting game that is more compelling and has more interesting stuff to talk about and I want to keep – I have more real big thoughts about it. Um, that floor is, is, is that lower floor is real, but it is, you're right. It is a static floor. And there's a degree to which I wonder if, is there a way to have that conversation where we go, all right, we're going to accept the lower floor and say, we're going to dedicate more space to smaller things. But that's on one hand, we can say that. And at the same time, there's the pressure of, well, there's a big thing coming out. We know a big part of our audience wants this and it'll look good in the stats when we go talk to, to well, I think you can do both. Stuff. I think I, I think my we point was do our best like, to do both. Yeah, be, because because there's the floor. I think that can give you a better justification that is harder to do with written pieces where yes. you're trying to ride huh. um, virality and 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 I don't mean click in the clickbaity sense as much as like you just can write a brilliant piece that if it published at a, an hour later and like you just often can't yep. know why a piece takes off. How many doesn't. pieces did we publish and then some news broke and it was like, well, no one's going to read this today. Like yeah, this just yeah. is not going to find a groove on Twitter. This is an incredible piece from a great writer. From this is an investigative piece. This is a critical piece. Whatever it is, yeah, it can just get buried because Robert Mueller because said of something. the day. You know what right. I mean, or whatever. And that and, and that is just less true on a podcast because a podcast is the equivalent of you know most websites like front pages don't mean anything anymore. That's like that, that's not true for like Kotaku has a really important front page because they've designed the experience of reading that website around that. Well, and they have people a static to, audience in the same way a podcast does. That's kind yes, of what people they go done. there like, Hey, yeah. I want to learn about games today. I go to Kotaku and like, right. that's not um waypoint. That's not most advice. That's not most publications generally speaking. Yeah. And so um our podcast like is the equivalent of our front page. And so that's when it becomes like important to think about like, well, what are you surfacing? Like, yeah, okay. You know, it's like, well, you got to cover Trump, but like there's other important shit going on. This, you know, we can cover Last of Us, right. but like we should also make, you know, make time to surface this other stuff because we know the eyeballs are there. And so um, I think a podcast is like a place where we can think about, where we have more agency over the ability to do good on that. Mm-hmm. Because yes, is it is it worth writing about a game and like doing a good piece and putting it out there? But it does suck if no one reads it because, like, yeah. not that that hasn't accomplished a thing by just doing the act of it, but it's like it's also great when like people can get exposed to it and understand it and engage with it. And um, I mean, hell, that's why we did sometimes those podcasts that were like talk about a piece, and yep. it's why I did things like worth reading. And I wish we had more time to do stuff like that, and maybe we should think about that in the future of, of ways to to do that. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's, I, a, it's, it's a got complicated a lot of dynamics. Yeah, it is, and I, I think it's both disingenuous to claim that it is something that is like um only it's it's just it's just genuine to say like uh, if only the traffic was there we would definitely just do it all the time because yeah, that's not a, true. it's just not true there are a lot of people for whom games are triple a games in the games press right like they like people, those games right totally i mean this is this is the the argument that i made when i first came to vice before i even like in the interview conversations like a, a lot of people during those interview conversations were like, well, are you trying to build a kill screen where like kill screen cares almost to a fault uh, in their, in their eyes about the independent space and ignores the triple A space. And the argument that I made at the time was like, I think right now video games are not like independent music in the same way 
uh, or in, in certain ways. Uh, there are ways in which it is like independent music. There's lots of incredible independent creators. It'd be hard to build like a pitchfork, stuff. right? Which right, like, but like even a, but even the exactly if if pitchfork pitchfork still does review big big albums, right? But in games, it feels like everyone, even independent designers are talking about the new FromSoft game. Even independent designers are excited about the new Mario game. Even those independent spaces, many of those people have some AAA thing that is like, that's my fucking baby. I love they're not, that They're series. not separate in the way that like a lot of, like totally. you know, Taylor Swift is not necessarily influencing, you know, yada, yada. Exactly, so. right, right. Um, and, and, uh, and, and there is crossover, obviously. Shout out to sure. that, that uh, 100 Gex uh, remix album that just dropped that has like a bunch of incredibly interesting people on it. Um, but the, the, uh, in games like that, that, that overlap is real. And in fact, there's lots of bleed back and forth between big studio person goes off to then become an independent creator, independent creator, then goes pulled into a studio system somewhere. So of course there's that, that, that back and forth. I think, I think the best coverage should be able to blend those things and ideally put them in conversation. What I think is, is difficult right now in games is that there is so much comes back to polish. You look at The Last of Us 2, um, you're going to look later this year at Cyberpunk and the way people are going to talk about Cyberpunk because that game is going to be so, so like, rich. That game is going to have so much money in it that people are going to talk about how good it is even if it has real problems. Um, there is a, a difficulty in jumping between that degree of shine and convincing people that their time is worth spending on something that has nothing, that, that feels like it's a different medium, not just a different degree of polish, not just, no, this is AAA and this is indie, this is AAA, this is alternative, but like, again, looking at Umarangi Generation or looking at uh, uh, Boreal Tales, another game we talked about in those episodes, like, this may as well, this is a different thing in terms of what you can expect your degree of interaction to be, what the length of the thing is. It's not even TV versus movies. It's this other space um, and and I, I don't actually mean that these are not the same thing, but but I mean there's a degree to which the audience for those things are looking for such different yeah. experiences sometimes, or there is an audience such, and and some of that audience is in the games press. And so yes, it's absolutely true that there are people in the games press who are like, oh, I don't want to pay attention to like what popped off on itch today, or or more importantly, what didn't even pop off on itch today, right. what is like <laughs> on the third page of itch that I no one is going to even see or play. Um, and there are people who only care about that stuff. Uh, and the, the, the alternative to this, the frustrating uh, reverse of this is there are way more people who only care about Last of Us 2, who only care about Ghost of Tsushima, than there are people who don't care about those things and still want to listen to a gaming podcast and still want to – or still want to hear us, I guess, talk about it, about games. Um, uh, and and that, that like tension between those two things is, is really difficult to unpack and to do it in a way that I think is honest – and rewards every listener of the podcast, right? We, we're not, mm-hmm. I'm not in a place where I can be like, I mean, I'm in a place, thankfully, where I can be like, I'm not going to touch Last of Us 2. I know I'm not going right. to enjoy that game. I'm surrounded yeah. by people who are going to play that game and dig into it and do a spoiler cast and do whatever. <laughs> I have, you know, I have the personal freedom to step back and be like, have fun. Uh, um, uh, I don't have to edit anything about it. That's I quit my job at the right time. Um, <laughs> right before I, have write, I have to write a review. I get to play. You know, like there's that that shit is that shit. Yeah, yeah I, it is it is enjoyable in, in that way for me. Um, but but at the same time, I do have to recognize. I do recognize that a huge chunk of our audience was dying to hear us talk about those games, and that is like a that even if I would rather be talking about some other thing, and and that that balance is really. 
interesting and and is a difficulty because there's not a meter i can look at you know i'm turning the dial yeah. back and forth the dial called independent to see <laughs> looking back at, at the audience to see when they cheer like that doesn't it doesn't quite work that way um but i don't know i think i think we do our best uh uh and and we're gonna keep we're gonna keep trying to find that that right line but for me i think it's easier to not talk to dr disrespect than it is to not <laughs> to not talk about uh, a big video yeah. game to talk, not talk about right. ghost of tsushima um, it's very easy to be like, no, nah, we don't need to, it's chill. We're good. It's like, we talked to you. We're not going to publish this. There wasn't anything new here. You just kind of said the same shit over and over again. Have a good one, bud. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, speaking <laughs> of independent things, one other little, little thing that we'll probably talk about uh, a little bit next week. Uh, I need to put more time into it. I know Gita has been playing in it. Gita get, told us, Gita couldn't be here today, but Gita did say to deliver this message, Gita says, <clears throat> have a good pod. Tell everyone I love Ooblets. <laughs> Ooblets uh, is out in early access on on Epic. Ooblets uh, is like is like a farming and monster battling. Yeah, I thought it was poke. Isn't it? Is it, it is. Like- it is, but it's also farming and okay. and it's also Pokemon. But it's all it's Stardew Pokemon Animal Crossing. That's too. If I'm being mm. honest, I think that's too generous. Um, I I think I'm far enough in it now where I'm liking it again. I think it's has a real rough first 30 minutes unless you are all the way on board with a certain style of twee, small burb. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, There's a, there was a, I mean, go watch a trailer. Like it's like communication vibe pretty quickly. There was a paragraph in the rock, paper, shotgun, uh, uh, like review or, or impressions piece that I read that, um, I think really communicates it as well as anything else can. Um, it's all super cute. Practically everything in Ooblets has a near toddlerish name. One of my tasks was to deliver 20 nurnies to the got to the gotsaplop for gummies. Uh, if I, f- if I feed a fronty one to the dumb burb, the mayor will give me 10 wishies. I need to find more C plops, quibs, and a spore bet for the, for the learnery. And I only made up one of those words. I don't think it's true that this writer made up one of those words, by the way, because I can tell you what a C plop, a quib a spore bit and the learnery are because that's all there. Uh, instead of to fish, you say to see dangle. And my favorite villager has a printy press. Um, it's that mode of cute um, that it's okay. Let me say something. It's that mode of cute. And also let me introduce you to officer Zuffle. This super cute town has a cop named Officer Zuffel living in it who says to mm. me here, I haven't made any arrests in my career, but I have written up a number of ooblets for mocking me. Dog, why does, why does this fucking cute town need to have a cop at all? What? Mm. Why, why do I got to? You know, I like walked down the road. I was like, there's a cop here. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing here? I'm hanging out with Pokemon. Um, it's, it's a very... It, there are there are times when the tweeness gets grating explicitly because it feels like it's just like dream bigger. Like if you have this world of incredible monsters, the one of the first things that happened to me in this game was I met a barista and and she was like, "Oh, do you want a coffee?" And I was like, "Yes." And she was like, "You don't have any money. Come back later." I was like, "Fuck." I guess just like the real world, <laughs> motherfucker. Like, yeah. you I you're gonna give me a, an ooblet, which is like a Pokemon, but you're not gonna give me a cup of coffee. My first day in town, I I came here with nothing, nothing on my back. I guess they also give you a farm, which is the mayor gives you a farm. The mayor, who is a child, oh, says there's an old farmhouse. So that's something. That's not nothing. That's, <laughs> you know, that's real. Um, I'm at the point now where I've kind of gotten over that introductory, like, 
spewing of new terms um and i'm i'm like actually in the middle of what i would i guess i would call almost like a dungeon i have to like huh. I, i'm in the middle of a bunch of these dance battles which are like, like combat in this game is like a card based like it's like a race to score points and certain cards give you points when you play them so it'll be like play this card it costs one energy and gives you three points but maybe you play a card before that that doubles the points of your next card or gives you plus one point for every point that for every card that you play um, and or steals points from your opponent. There's no like fighting, fighting. You're kind of doing dance offs between your ooblets and their ooblets. It's very cute. This is the thing is like, I think that stuff is very cute. I think the music is incredible. I think the character design is great. I love how the, how the world looks. It's just that sometimes the there is a juxtaposition between the cuteness uh, and the perceived like whimsical nature of it all, and then the fact that what they've kind of done is made a, a kind of there's a bit where it's like there are two classes in the world. Someone, uh, one of the random pieces of dialogue that it seems like any townsperson can say, uh, just like York repeats himself, characters repeat themselves here. Um, there are two classes in the world: those with kitchen islands and those whose kitchens have islands, and those who don't. And it's like, mm, I get what you're trying to do here. Uh-huh. I I get it, but like, I I can't I can't I can't go down this road with you, Ooblets. There, that's not it. Um, it. It would land better, I think, if it felt like the design was influenced at all by by stuff like that, or if it was, <laughs> or maybe what I'm saying actually is maybe it feels like the design is influenced by that sort of superficial, very online, like slightly Glass. left of center what joke. You know what I mean? Say that again. Sorry, I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not going to repeat what I just said. Okay, I immediately regretted it. You regretted saying what you said. That's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I I once you got over that and you're focused on the farming and the Pokemon battling or the Pokemon dance offs, basically, um, I think it it lands pretty well. I really love how it looks and sounds, and I really like for what it's worth. I really like the Ooblets and their names. I think that's like the right place for that degree of like. Whatever we want to call that subgenre of s- small bean like online cuteness stuff, <laughs> um, I, I'm just I, I, 2015. I was here for it. It's 2020. We gotta we gotta keep moving. I got you know, move like a shark do. That's my that's my motto. Kato, do you want to talk to me about Destiny before we before we wrap up? Sure. Also, I just want to point out earlier, uh, Austin. I didn't want you were like saying something very serious. Oh, okay. And then you also said um, that we need to put seats and butts. Fuck. Well, we do. That's my new invention. <laughs> I want the butt seat. Just install like the said, seat. You, you said right it. You're like butt. in the middle of a whole thing, Fuck. and I'm just like. That's why I'm a writer and not a speaker. You know. <laughs> so I don't, that's why I don't speak into a microphone. That's for, a real for thing. A living. Is it? Usually like a butt seat? Yeah. Hold on. It's like a thing you walk around with. It's like attached yeah, to you at a belt. It's a seat like a... on your butt. I want to type that who... and see if that I works. typed in mm, seat careful. belt. I typed in, no, I typed in seat belt. Being like, oh, it's a seat that you attach to your belt. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Austin. <laughs> you know that's already a thing. I don't, uh, what do I think I was going to see? You're falling apart. I'm falling uh, apart over chair. here. Chair? I think it's a chair. 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 On your butt. Let's see if that works. On your butt. It, nope, that didn't work either. It's basically portable. like... Yeah, yeah, they're portable. Portable chair. Oh, is it, is it this one? Is the one with the legs? Yeah, the legs come out 
and just like kind guy? of unfold. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this was on yeah. the latest season of Silicon yes, Valley. Yes, that's exactly why I remember uh, it. <laughs> one asshole that walked okay. around with it clanking Listen. on his legs. That yeah, was one of my favorite bits in yeah. the season. That was good. Um, you know, you got to sit down sometimes. And also, yeah. I, I bet this is ever since we had the God. I forget what the what the what the thing was. Maybe it was one of the portable speakers, the next speakers. Maybe I'm mm. like, what is the what is the secret use case here? What is the right. use case they're not right. explicitly advertising, but that targets like a disabled a group of disabled people or parents or you know what is this? What is or people who are who are on their who are on their feet working all day in a certain situation? What is the actual demographic for this thing that they're not advertising because they don't want to just say, hey, we're making this because we know that there's a demographic that needs exactly this. Because yeah. they want to get you Silicon Valley types to also be like, oh yeah, the portal, the porta seat. Anyway, Kato, <laughs> I promised you that you were gonna get to talk to me about Destiny. Yeah, it's time. Rob's love, not here. To, I love Destiny. To shut you up every single time. Every whenever Rob's not on, I just get to. You love Destiny. Except that I'm now also in the fucking crosshairs of Patrick for my Destiny Patrick's shit. We're gonna just vibe out. Don't worry. Okay. I'm here. I got your back. Did you not stand in front of There was a tweet rent free in Kato's head. There's a, no, there's a fucking. <laughs> what? That tweet? <laughs> Look at him. God. Look at him squirm. God damn it. Kato, uh, anyways. Just, just talk about your game. Don't Look, listen to him. You're here to talk about Destiny. Tell me about Destiny. Destiny's fucking great. Um, shit. Yeah. Uh, they, they're continuing this storyline of like the fucking pyramid ships invading and all that. And um, a lot of what is kind of surprising about it is how many changes areas have gone through of like um you know at first it was like a couple skybox changes like oh they appeared like they're here and now there's like stuff changing on maps there's interactions with npcs that you haven't like talked to in years because suddenly there's there's ships in the skies over their planets and things like that and like there's just like a lot to do that all has different kind of great story threads um there's also this kind of like little meta layer of like we understand that the game is going to get smaller in a way because the game is already too big there's too many gigabytes of game Uh and so in order to add new stuff they're getting rid of some of the planets and last Mm. week uh those planets were all invaded by the pyramid ships and Ooh. you go on a quest line for all of the NPCs that like inhabit each of those planets to kind of help them like get ready to evacuate essentially. Right. Like, so you're, they're setting up this like mechanical thing of like, we need to get rid of some of these worlds. Right. Uh, but they're setting it up early in story. And the, the, it's, it's really nice to kind of have interaction with these characters that the last time we talked to them was during like destiny one main campaign, yeah. however many fucking years ago, you know? Um, yeah. And alongside that, they're still continuing this the the really great weekly mission of you know getting a new mission uh, a new um, le- message from the darkness and having Eris uh, interpret that. But now they're also tossing in uh, alongside that like Zavala showed up this time, and we're starting to get some of that really interesting like all right the Vanguard being in charge kind of being in charge of humanity humanity and like what they do because like most of them live under like as far as we know like 99 percent of humanity is living under the traveler right now and that's kind of like their sphere of influence um versus the like idea that um we need to like 
we don't actually know what's happening out there. Like we're not sure what we're preparing for and like needing to get that information. Like Eris being the one that's like, we need to continue talking to the darkness because they're saying something and whether or not it's a trap or not, we're not sure, but we need the info either way to like get, try to glean something. And uh, Zavali being very weary just because, like, no, it's evil, right? And, like, they're drawing some ideological lines here of, like, okay, yeah, like, we always known Zavali to be kind of the the more, um, you know, the, if to use a D&D parlance, the lawful character, like, yeah, very, like, yeah. into organization. By the book, and, very, like, yeah. yeah. And so it's good to, like, see them grapple with that instead of it being, like, Zavala's that character and that's that's just who he is and it's never confronted right like it's like he's the right. lawful one and that's a good thing because you're all the good you're the good guard guardians are good right like they're finally really digging into throwing it. the idea of that kind of into into question um and that's fun and exciting like yeah, yeah the story of destiny is is good right now and there's always something to do that will give you more story in that way that's interesting and not just lore books um right and the Laurel books are still also very good. So, you know, I've been playing a lot of Destiny. I've been keeping up week to week. Awesome. And it's been really fun. I'm glad to hear that it's in a good place right now. I know yeah. that like when that game when that game is suffering, it it can be it can be a slog uh, absolutely. In, a, in a serious way. So Yeah, like last right, last well. last season absolutely was like that where like they tried to do this thing where like there was like technically weekly things happening, but the way that story delivered and what the story ended up being just kind of didn't do much to move anything forward, like narratively. So mm-hmm. it's good to see them like, and this is also particularly good because this is the first season that they uh, developed fully outside of Activision's partnership. Like it began right. development from, just from as they the bottom. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's exciting to see like the, the kind of level of, um, I wonder how much because it always seemed like they wanted to keep the lore and the like mainline story of Destiny two very separate worlds of like world building almost <laughs> where like the lore yeah. was super interesting but the mainline story was was always very uh much more simple and like very rarely interacted with the lore books the lore books were almost always world building and background instead of like things happening in the now, right, or things that are affecting this, the the current narrative, um, and it really feels like since that since the break, and especially in this season, they've kind of merged those two different narrative paths. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I love awesome. it. Well, love destiny. Keep me, keep me in the loop. <laughs> Let me know if the egg hatches. <laughs> I swear, That's... fuck. Did I ever get back to fucking the first three? So uh, each message, I'm sorry, each message. The fur the is like a single word essentially that Eris has to kind of de- uh, infer meaning from, um, mm-hmm. and the first three were uh, protected, eggshell, and white, and it's just like that motherfucker's okay, an egg. That's an egg. We're right. It's an yeah. egg. You got you nailed it, Kato. <laughs> I like. Oh, Patrick, shit. you were gone for this. The traveler, uh, traveler's an egg. We decided. Yeah. While the, you were gone. The Traveler's uh, an went, egg. Danica? Yeah, Danica. <laughs> no, The Traveler. The Traveler. Just sounds like something. Is Danica writing for oh, Destiny? Right. Yeah, Danica yeah. is writing for Destiny now. Correct. Oh, he's an egg. Yeah, <laughs> okay. He's an egg. We're right. We don't know. Hey, we, yeah. Listen, 
The Egg, travelers. Aggies feeties. Aggies, Aggies feeties. <laughs> I miss you, Danica. <laughs> Shout out to Danica. Shout out to Danica. Um, all right. On that note, we're going to wrap up. I hope everyone has a safe and good weekend. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with more. I don't know I don't, what's going on next week. Is anything going on next week? Does anyone have any? This is a guy. There's an email about a game. Rob and I did like a. There's a game. Go ahead. What? I don't know. I can't talk about it. It's under embargo. There'll be games. There's a game that's under. Release schedule gets a little bumpy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's an indie game, so. Oh okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh okay. <laughs> There'll be something. Okay. I see. Uh-huh. There's always something. Yeah. Uh huh. There's all. There's always something. So <laughs> I can. Uh, I can talk about back. Valorant. Didn't ever stop that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I I hit gold. For, Hell for yeah! I'm silver oh, three again, <laughs> but I'm I'm close again. I'm close. I keep again. doing that too. That's close. It, yeah. It's absolutely like how tired. I had two aces yesterday, so I'm Shit. I'm making moves. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, we can't go down Valorant. <laughs> no, talk. It's not interesting. No, not There's nothing interesting not. about talking about that fucking game. Um, <laughs> I like it, but it's like I can't make it interesting. So, what do you want from me? Uh, all right. Shout outs as always to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You off the EP Pal Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B O E N. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash waypoint. Follow me at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Kato? At A underscore Kato underscore appears. And Patrick. They're going to show Halo next week. Oh, they're going to show Halo. Oh. Is, that the, that's, is that the big next event? Thursday morning. So we'll, right. have, to record so we'll after. have to record after that. Yeah, the- um, that's the only other event, right? There's no other events next week. I think so, yeah. yeah. Summer, yeah. the summer of gaming continues. Summer the, the, game the, fest. Shout out to the summer Jeff of uh, really extending shit. out these E3 reveals <laughs> a uh, lot. Yeah. Apparently, there's a showcase. Oh, there's another day of the devs on the twentieth. Okay. So where's Nintendo? What do you mean? They haven't done. They're, they don't. They don't have like any games on their schedule they, after Paper Mario comes out. Yeah. I mean, they do, but like nothing with a concrete release. No, date. But just like, Nintendo what if just showed off the what the if Mario E3 game? had, had happened? What event? would they have? Right? Like, oh, what would the, have they the, shown? The way <laughs> forward. I mean, did the, we not talk rumor, about that? The, the rumor is all the Mario games that'll still happen. That, that's going to be their big fall thing. There's going to be a thousand Mario games on Switch. So and they can announce that as late uh, as August without right. it being like yeah, uh, yeah. I, my guess is that stuff's gotten delayed because of the coronavirus. So it still all happened this fall. Like. Yeah, fuck yeah, give me Mario Galaxy and Mario 3D World on Switch. Well, did, like, do we, oops, oops, my top 10 list of the year is just all <laughs> Mario games I'm replaying. Whoops. God. Did y'all, Whoops. Did y'all see the Nintendo, the, the way forward tweet, and them needing to walk that back, and then the reveal of what that game was? Yeah, very funny. That was funny. Kata, did you see this? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Fucking. They, they, made, a, they made a tweet uh-huh. that was like, Plus, they're like, we're going to show off uh, upcoming game footage of uh, Paper Mario or the Origami King. I do think it's important Plus, to we'll mention that it was a Nintendo Treehouse stream, right? They didn't yeah, call it a direct. Stream. Not a direct, it's a treehouse. It's a treehouse. Plus, we'll feature a first reveal on gameplay for a title in a franchise new to develop our way forward. And then, like, you know, an hour later or something, maybe not even a full hour later, they were like, uh, please note. Uh, please note that the uh, new way forward title featured this is in not Nintendo, a new Metroid it's, game. It's uh, <laughs> a third party property. Yeah. And people were still like, "Ooh, okay, okay," but it was big enough for Nintendo to tweet about it. Right. It must be something we're all itching for. I want y'all to look forward to Bakugan, Bakugan. Champions of Astoria. <laughs> Bakugan. Bakugan. Oh, fuck. People, 
People like Bakugan. A Bakugan is how I feel about right now. We need to get the we we need a Bakugan this podcast. <laughs> I got a Bakugan on my way to lunch. I hope everyone has a good weekend. We'll be back on Monday with more from Waypoint Radio. As always, fuck capitalism. Go home. Bakugan! Bakugan. <laughs>
their like progress like, over the course of the year, and we had an odd numbered amount of students. And so I got paired with her, the teacher, mm. and she gave me an old battered dictionary because she was like, you know all the words, your presentation just isn't there yet. And I was like, get fucked. And then I aced the AP English exam. I got the highest mark in the fucking school. I got to never take English comp in college, which was the best feeling in the world. Those classes seemed like they sucked. Uh, she was furious. She hated – she like despised me because I was like the exact like uh, natural talent – doesn't put in the work, like, style of mm -hmm. high school student. Um, like, go to CVS in the morning before a presentation to get a poster board, quickly print some things out. And, like, and it's a, pulls it it's, off. It, and it pulls it off because, like, I still know what I'm talking about. I got uh, so accused she hated of... hated me. I got accused of plagiarism by an English teacher in uh, high school. Um, just too good. It was just it was just because I wrote too well. She was not a particularly good <laughs> teacher. So, on some level, I was like, I'm so, I've just exposed you. Um, <laughs> God, oh God! Anyway, shout outs to her, I guess. <laughs> I still have that dictionary. It's in another room. I have it up like it's a trophy still. I'm like, get fucked. I write for a living now. In New York, I'm doing all right. Just ship her one of those Star Wars books. Oh God! <laughs> uh, I listen. I, I learned a lot in that class. It was it was it was like a very interesting seminar. Like she was just rude as shit. Also super conservative. She made us read. She made us read uh, Atlas Shrugged in high school. So oh like, no! Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So a lot of those Austin are the, those are kind of origin like, I, stories here. <laughs> wish we could have. I, I would love to have heard like just. What is the audio conversation of a high school class discussing that right. book? Well, I just want to hear it. A Catholic school with a super conservative teacher. Yeah. Just, it was, it was. What are the themes she's plucking out? What are we talking in, about? Individualism. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, like, you know, you got a very much bootstrap type shit. It was like mm. that and Moby Dick and what were the other? We like were reading big books. That was like the, the whole class. Anyway, we should do a podcast. Okay. Get fucked, Miss Collins. <laughs> Can that be the podcast title? Time <laughs> listener. Uh, all right. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Can you imagine? I love video games now. I don't think that you're wasting your time I'm anymore. I'm the lady on YouTube playing Skyrim. Oh no! <laughs> God, I still think people didn't really misinterpret your comments. Then you did no, not say I that. Thing. I know. I think you're you pretty clear. said exactly the thing that people said you said. <laughs> uh, all right.